You know, that's what we ought to do for one of those little state like that's not gonna be a cheaper vacation yeah i know are you looking for a cheap vacation well, i, I gave you a few suggestions we're looking uh, to save yeah. some branson missouri no, no. We, because we are doing the yard we're trying to we want short like longer weekends that aren't going to cost us a fortune but so that we can still take a vacation you want vacations but you also want to be able to afford a house the backyard <laughs> yes 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 yeah hmm which we got two quotes on already. Might I suggest the Monster <laughs> Museum in Boulder City? That's cheap. There you go. There's no jump scares, so you don't good. have to worry about, you know. The Cave Hotel. I don't know if that's still there. Oh, Is that just a cave? Uh, well, it's one of those fantasy hotels where the rooms are like uber themed. Like, like the one I, I stayed at in Boulder City and uh, the room was a cave. But it, a cave? Yeah. Like why? Like stone. The everything was like stonework, as in like cave, and you you, you felt like you were in a cave. The bed yeah. was all like uh, natural wood, and just like yeah. was put together with you and Deb could dress nails. up in animal skins. She could hit you over the head with a club and drag <laughs> yeah. you into the cave. You can eat raw meat mm-hmm. and yeah. die at thirty. That's Sounds great. Like so much fun. <laughs> Yeah. It was pretty great, I have to admit. I, I, it I, made an impression on me. I remember it. Yeah. From all these years ago. So yeah. See, there you go. Monster Museum. Maybe the bolt maybe the cave hotel isn't there anymore, but stay in the classic Boulder City Hotel. And see the Boulder City Dam Museum. Why haven't you yet suggested <laughs> the clown hotel to me? I know you went there. The clown hotel is fucking overrated. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Clown Hotel, uh, what is it, what, uh, Tonopah, I believe it's in, in My Nevada. My goodness, folks, this is Todd who likes everything. Well, here's the thing. It's It sounds creepy because, hello, Clown Motel. And, and it's next to a graveyard, right? It, it is. Uh, I am still not sold that that graveyard is authentic. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the lobby, sure, it's not a lobby. It's a separate building room that you enter to pay someone. And yes, it's full of clown tchotchkes, and there's one large stuffed clown that's a little off-putting, but not bad. Um, now, it's my understanding they've leaned into it a lot more since I've been there. Well, I, was, I was there about 10 years ago. Well. Uh, so I think now they've, they've got some rooms in the Clown Hotel that have like pictures of it in there. And pictures of what? Stop it. John Wayne Gacy. And I don't know if they leaned that hard. <laughs> that's, that's pretty, that's pretty that's, hard into it. <laughs> that's a hard lean. That's, it's, a, it's a disturbing room. Well, I think one. we got a geek shock field report. This is great. But uh, yeah, so so sure. Uh, you know what? Yes, I take it back. <laughs> you and Deb go stay at the Clown Motel <laughs> nope. in Tonopah <laughs> nope. because there's nothing else to do in Tonopah. In all seriousness, <laughs> uh, Andy, just start peppering Barry with uh, texts on cheap places and things to do around town because Andy knows the cheap stuff. He does all around this region. He really does. Or just join the Clampers. I hear that's a real cheap. There get you go. No, thank you, sir. Or you could do that. Uh, is it on? Uh, it's either Verbo or Airbnb. They have that subcategory of like unique places to stay, and in that one, they do have an actual cave that you stay in oh, yes, that sir. has been decked out like a house. I think it's in New Mexico. Something like right? that. Yeah, New Mexico. That's close. 
Yeah. Uh, there's a Las Vegas in New Mexico. There's. A, I'm aware. <laughs> there's like a replica. Why don't you go to Las spaceship? Vegas, New Mexico? <sighs> okay. <laughs> I didn't mean vacations that cheap. <laughs> we meant. Maybe not flying. Maybe not an all-inclusive maybe resort. Maybe driving in to Temecula or something yeah. like that. <laughs> not freaking like. Let's go in, into a cave, <laughs> and I'll try and make fun. <laughs> that's not a vacation. That's larping. <laughs> we do plan on going camping though. Well, see, there camping's you go. Fine. Now, car camping, not like rough, rough, roughing it. No, no tents. That's not camping. Tents. It's still tents. Oh, no. it's a tent. Well, there. No. It's a tent that goes up in 60 seconds. I love it. No, Fuck. it's that not. That sounds like camping. Fuck that. So That's not real camping. Jeff, uh, Jeff, it is camping. It's... No. <laughs> All right. State your case, Jeff. Yeah, well, I want it. Do you mean it has to be backpacking? That's the only camping. I'm saying Cause that's death the only is this, this, this new, like, making everything easy and glamorous. <laughs> the glamping, if you will. That's not camping. Oh, that's, glamping that's is not great. What he's talking about. I want to go glamping. That's cheap, right? So we, we Camping compromised. is hiking in with everything that you need on your back, setting it up, hiking out with everything that's you need backpacking. on your back. That's backpacking. That's different. No, that yes. is hiking. Backpack camping. That's yeah, that's back backpacking. Camping. That's different. That's camp packing. Yeah. We compromise because I yeah. grew up you get camping and backpacking and doing all those things. And I grew up in not. a city with fucking air conditioning. Yeah, so, me too. But I also service. am an Eagle Scout, so I know how to oh, actual. Oh, I knew it. He's going to pull that card. If you got Eagle it. Scout in the first five minutes of the show, uh, then uh, take a drink. In fact, let's bring you in. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shack number 673. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Camping K. Vlarg. And Deb. And we're here to talk week and geek. Vlarg of the city. And <laughs> camping is spelled with a K, right, Kirsten? That's right. Okay, oh, just check. Yeah, we will spell it all with a K. Just not three words. <laughs> but yeah, some cheap. Let's send you to the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. <sighs> oh yeah, that's something you do if you're driving through. And oh look, there's the biggest ball. No, of twine. that's a destination. Hey, look, By the way, that song performed live is amazing. It is though. It's yeah. fucking it's like, brilliant. Yeah, it's gotta be. Weird Al. Yeah. But sure, sure, something along those lines. Yeah. New. Why not? Jeez. It's just. Ball of twine. You're there for five minutes. You take a picture. You move on. Not an hour away from here is the world's largest thermometer. That yes. is a cheap vacation. Yes. And there's a place that you can get beef jerky that's run by aliens. What was the what place that we drove by? Yeah. Was it outside Amarillo when we were driving from, from Houston to Vegas? The, the Second Amendment cowboy. Yes. It's this giant cowboy statue Statue-y. to the Second Amendment. Is this someone's personal property erected uh, this day? No, no, no. Well, no. yes, it technically is private property, but it's like a tourist attraction. Oh, I, I like in Texas. Those. Yes. It's right near the the thing where the guy put the Cadillacs in the ground, Cadillac ah, Ranch. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Where you Which, go up and you spray paint them and make your own. Didn't you? Art and did you put up pictures them? of a Second Amendment cowboy? Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, all right, all right. I'll see if I can dig them up and I'll put them on the Discord. You know, it's also a cheap trip. Do a Route 66 trip. There you go. Go on Route 66. There's all kinds of roadside attractions and stuff between here and wherever. You don't even have to go the full route to to, to Chicago. Let me tell you how car trips go with Barry. Oh, please. Please do. Here we go. He ignores... Because he never drives. Right. Right. Because... He doesn't I, like to. Yeah, he insists like on being drive. driven. It's I got the destination. Not well, but I, I'm actually a like very driving, driven so it's fine. Oh, I works. would prefer to drive anyway, okay. unless I'm exhausted. But he then proceeds to sit in the passenger seat and doesn't talk, doesn't do anything. He plays on his phone the whole time. The whole time. Even to the, the point where, like, I will have to, like, 
punch him in the leg and be like, dude, you need to wake me up. I'm, I'm falling asleep. You need to talk to me. Have a conversation. And then he's like, oh, I don't know. What do we talk about? Wake me up before a trash crash. So I'm not doing... It's a three-hour trip. I'm not doing an actual vacation that's focused on driving because it's Thank not you. a vacation. All right. Thank so, you, because it's so not. I hate driving. All, all vacations it. must be where you can go to and from by airplane because Barry is a bad uh, road trip. But, uh, but I, am, no I am a bad road trip. Uh, but no co-pilot. flying. I've got a solution. Greyhound. <laughs> Amtrak. Oh, Amtrak. Amtrak. That's not a bad one. Amtrak costs like four or five times what a flight costs right now. Well, it's ridiculous. I looked that up once and Hobo. I was like, oh, it can't be that much more. Holy shit. Jump it's so a, much more. Jump a we'll freight jump, train. We'll jump a freight train. Yeah. Okay. That's an adventure. There you go. Get Exciting. Rolled. No one has to decide who's driving. You wouldn't make it because you're not exercising at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be waving at you. Yeah, De- like, Deb would be waving like to him from the train, Poitier and Barry would have given up. Tony like Tony Curtis with Deb hanging off, and Barry like, <laughs> as she's reaching for him. No, I think you're giving him too much credit. He would he would get winded after five yards. Go, you'd go on without me. I didn't say that he I'll wasn't a half losers. mile behind. <clears throat> wow! I just wanted to send him someplace horrible. <laughs> I come here every week. <laughs> this is not horrible. This is fun. Yes, Why this is great. Why do we always come here? I guess, guess we'll, we'll never know. know. Oh, here we go. That wow. It. That's it. That's all you get for free. I want more. I want you get for free. I've got a quarter. You have to record the show. Oh, I got it for free. I was going to pay him, and I got it for free. Thank you, Jeff. You inspired him. Yeah. Saved me money. Wow. So, what geeky things did we do this week? Deb, what'd you do? Empty admit. So, I actually finally finished a quart of fan flowers. It's very excited. So they did a whole ten episodes, and it's mm. just over like twenty hours worth of content. Um, wow! I loved it. I laughed. I cried. Not kidding. Like they did an oh, amazing wow. job with the story. I loved how towards like you know the the pinnacle thing that they were fighting against the bloom. How at the end. She really intertwined the rules with the the Jane Austen RPG and the the boons that they earned from doing certain things during the other like gameplay sessions. They could trade in to get um, like knock off some points from having to hit you know the DC to beat the final big bad. So it was really kind of cool how she like worked the D and D mechanisms in together really well with like the Jane Austen RPG mechanisms. And it was really great. But I enjoyed it so much. If you have ever watched, if you even haven't, because this was my very first time ever watching like online D&D play. Um, it was great. They did an amazing job. Um, the story is great. It is very story focused, this one. It's not, I think most of them are for Dimension 20, to be honest. Um, but it was excellent. And Abri is a very good. Oh, she's very, very good. Very good DM. She's she, very good. She really leans really leans into the role play get your characters going oh and she did really well um with you know the side characters and stuff she had she did an amazing job she was really good at it so i was really excited that i got to finally finish that and we played obscurio obscurio yes just the two of us actually because you can play two player oh wow you can play up to eight player so it was nice because it gave us a really good feel for the game without having all of the, it's one of those that once you hit 
um, four players, different game mechanics kick in. So if you play with only two or three people, there's no trader mechanic. There's no trader mechanic. Ah, okay. So oh, it really Todd. No, it, no, we just need enough players. That's there you all. go. But it really let us kind of learn how the flow of the game works before throwing in that additional, you know, gameplay mechanism to kind of throw it off. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that Obscurio is made by the same company that makes Mysterium. Ah, but it's way the better. The same one. So you can see it like the differences. It's they're very similar in everything's played with images. Like you're trying to get people to guess something using images, image cards. Um, but the gameplay is slightly different. In Mysterium, you start with the the person who doesn't talk, the person who plays the deck or the book in either one of these. Um, the grimoire. The grimoire. So in Mysterium, they have to draw eight cards from a deck and Sorry. then Sorry. they have dealt out, it's almost like Clue. They have like a board of these are your people, these are the murder weapons, these are the rooms. And then you have all that laid out first and then you draw eight cards and then you're trying, the first one is trying, you're trying to get them to guess the person. So you're picking from those eight cards what you think will help them guess their, their people because each person gets a set of cards. In this one, everybody uses the same cards. It's two cards, and they're trying to guess the door. So there's an image card that you pull, and that is the door. And then after that, you pull two cards, and you're supposed to use those two cards to have them direct their attention to things in those images so that they can guess which is the correct door card. The thing about this one is I don't get to see the other five cards that are the other door cards. Oh. So something that happened a lot with Barry and I is you're pointing at something you think is, oh, it'll be great because there's a chain in this one, there's a chain in that image. I'm pointing at the chain because you have these little, two little like, um, they look like Ouija board. Oh, okay, little like a planchette. So that you can point them at things. You only get two because there's two images. And um, so you're like, okay, this, this image has a chain, this one has a chain. And then you draw the other five cards, you shuffle, and you hand them to the players, and then they turn them over. And then you're like, fuck, three other images have a chain. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, it's like, it's similar but different. I was going to check and see which one they published first, and I didn't. Um, but I'd be curious to see that because you can kind of tell. We actually enjoy this one a lot better, especially Barry, because it's not as abstract. Mysterium is way more abstract because you are completely clueless as to why the grimoire gave you these images whereas in this one you can kind of direct their attention to what you're trying to direct their attention to so i'm um, pretty sure obscurio came after mysterium okay they probably yeah. like uh mysterium was 2015 obscurio was 2019 awesome it i loved it it played really well thank you very much no it was a very good uh christmas present fantastic Barry, what'd you do? Well, we also played Kingdom Builder. Now, Kingdom Builder is a game from 2011. A lot of people like this game. I played it once. I couldn't remember it. But now now I have it because I got it at a flea market. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good, solid game. If you haven't played this game, check it out. It's on Board Game Arena. So you don't have to actually own the game. Just go play it on Board Game Arena. Um, but I think it plays better on the table. I really do. It's one of those few games where I don't mind. There's not a lot of setup. Just just play it on the table. I think you'll like it better. It's a kind of worker placement, I think, sort of. Not workers, really. No, not no, workers. not really. What is it? It's definitely tile placement. It's, yeah. There, you, you, there's like four tiles. It's civ And you building. pick a color and you, you build your, your civilization, I guess, uh, by placing little houses down. It's all our little houses. And you got to... 
place more and in different patterns and stuff to get more gold at the end of the game. It's very simple once you've played it one time. I really like this game. It, it plays well for two, but I think the sweet spot's four. I agree. Yeah. Uh, the only time I've ever played it was with four players. Uh, back with Captain Luddite, for you classic Geek Shock listeners. Ah. But uh, but yeah, it is a, it's a great game, a classic for a reason. Yeah. And I looked up on Board Game Arena. I haven't played it in there yet because I've been busy doing other stuff with Board Game Arena. I discovered the joy of tournaments. Oh, have you now? Oh, I have. Now, to join tournaments, all you have to do is have a score of, like, like a quality score of 100 or more, like so that you know what the hell you're doing in a game, which is very easy to do. Play like two or three games of a game online, and then you'll get to a score of 100. It's not a big deal. But then you can register for tournaments, and you and there's no cost, and you can register for as many as you want. And so I did. I just got the one of the achievements on Board Game Arena, uh, be playing 10 games at once. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, and more than that. Uh, I'm, I'm playing tournaments of lucky numbers, of uh, Abandon All Artichokes. Uh, Can't Stop is a really good one to play if you've never played that. Uh, Martian Dice. I, I'm just on all these freaking tournaments. Um, even uh, Seven Wonders Architects, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite board games. Um, and so you don't have to be there at a certain time. You can go and play this whenever you, whenever it's your turn, and it's turn-based, and these games can last for days. So every so often I'll check my, I'll check my phone and be like, oh, oh I got three moves I got to make on three different boards. Okay, done. And then it goes back. Way more fun than chess. Uh, I guess I'll do that. It, it's fun. Go do it. I'm pretty sure you can register for tournaments, even though if you don't have a premium membership. I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah. Uh, register for as many as you can, because it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's cheap, so I can afford my vacation to a cave. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And another thing that I did... Uh, was I worked on DeadCon a little bit. Thank you, Geek Shock listeners, who helped me out. So far, Microscoop contributed a character. Leon Mitt contributed a character. Aussie Matt contributed a character, whose name sucks, but we're working on it. And uh, Major <laughs> Mech contributed his character as well. And if you're Tier 3 and above, uh, you can contribute your character. Or just give me a name and an idea, and I'll work it into the story. It's for an adventure that you're publishing. Yes. And I'll let you read what I got so far. I don't care. Oh, wow. And uh, it's just a Google Doc I'll share with you. And you, yeah. can, well, you, you're a viewer, not a, you know, a commenter, not an editor. <laughs> you but sure you, can't, you don't want to just crowdsource this? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. I can see Ozzy no, no. Matt getting in there and really giving you something to play with. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Ozzy Matt for a second then. All right? You, you want to do that? Okay. Uh, his character's name was, he gave me a character called Killdozer. Uh, isn't that copyrighted? I don't know what the hell that's from, but that's a, that's a movie. Okay, that's, yeah. that's not a D and D character. Oh come on, name. that's a cool name. I like uh, it. Yeah. Well, it it definitely trips off the tongue. Yeah, yeah. K I L space D O Z E R. See if you put the space kill in. Dozer. Yeah. No, we we we're working it. The out family it. name is Kill. Yeah, the cadence is great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it sounds good. I'm working on it. It's, it's got flow. It's fine. I'm working on it. And the very last thing I did, which I'm very proud of, because I started Skyrim again, I mentioned. I, I, solved, I solved my problem. It was, it was a mod. Of course it was. It is a mod. Um, uh, I thought Kingvald was great at Skyrim because he used to stream it all the time and everything. Apparently, I taught him something that he didn't know. Oh, did you know? Yes. That it's a way easier to level smithing if you just transmute all the ore to gold 
make jewelry, sell it for lots of money, and it gives you great smithing experience. He's like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, what are they teaching you over there in Norway, man? Plus, you can sell it for way more money. Yeah. I knew that, and I don't play this game that <laughs> oh much. Oh, my goodness. Someone's getting called out. We're both better than you. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> now you owe me a <laughs> bottle of Aquavit or whatever. Mm, Aquavit. Uh, give him some mead. Yeah, you won't know the difference. I can get mead here. Yeah. I don't want that. I want well, Aquavit. Something it, I can't it, get here. It has to be equal to what the value of what was given. Um, <laughs> all that iron oh. goes to gold, and you get smithing very quickly. That, I love that's that. That's very valuable. I love that. He gets an ounce of with, with and, fake uh, money I just, in, a, in a game. I, 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 no, I love, the, I love the whole game world. It's like, how can I learn smithing? Oh, I'll just transmute elements. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get me skill sets in smithing. Yeah. You transmute elements. Sounds like you get some skill points in alchemy for I that. think you've yeah. got something else going on, yes. No, uh, alteration. It's a magic uh-huh. school. There you go. Do you alchemy. get points in that too? Yes. Yes. Oh. Slowly. Jesus God. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, where do you put your Skyrim points? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> I don't play Skyrim. Sorry. Shame. You're lost. Shame. I know. Never met a nerd so Shame. proud to not nerd. Shame. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're nerding too quietly. All right. I need to nerd louder, apparently. As yes. he says, wearing his KC hoodie. Oh, God. Just, sports, just beca- sports, sports, just sports. Just because you're upset that my Chiefs made it back to the Super Bowl doesn't mean you have upset. to. I'm I'm not upset. I didn't, I didn't even know. Kirsten, yeah, know Kirsten had a, there was just like a twinge of, of jealousy in your voice just now. In your, twinge about my chillin', of jealousy. My Chiefs jacket. I, I, Dude, think I think your uh, comment stands, Kay. He's, yeah. he's not nerding very loud. No. Uh, anyway. So uh, I didn't get to do a lot this week, but I did actually finally get to check out uh, Poker Face on Peacock. Uh, this is a, a Ryan Johnson project. Uh, it's his first television series that he's created, although you could say streaming television series. It's kind of a gray area, but it's uh, it's a series. It's only 10 episodes uh, starring Natasha Leone. And uh, it's about a character named Charlie Kale who has an uncanny ability to tell when somebody is lying. And she's dead accurate at it. Now, uh, her character's background is that she played poker because that was the only thing that she felt like she could really use that talent for because in she even says it in, in like one of the episodes that in the general interaction with humanity everybody is always lying about something so she can tell that they're lying but you know it's oftentimes just a matter of you know they're lying about stupid things and it's very frustrating but uh it's a really interesting series and i'm gonna steal a uh a thing from uh, professor biggs here about uh uh the style of uh the way the the mysteries go in these episodes it's very columbo like where you know who the villain is from the very beginning and then you're with the the lead character uh on her journey to discover who this person is and you know figuring out all the little mysteries and stuff along the way so it's really interesting in that uh that respect uh each episode features a different uh guest star and it's it's all big names like uh you know, Benjamin Brad is in there. Uh, you've got Simon Helberg, who is on Big Bang Theory. Uh, you've got um, you know, Adrian stars. Brody. You've got Joseph Gordon Levitt. 
That's what uh, you needed to lead with. Uh, yeah. Ron Perlman. I, I'm yeah, just kind of going through the list. leads. I took notes. I'm just going through my list. So, you know, you can just fuck off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so angry. <laughs> There's a lot more, but I'm, I'll spare you in case you want to watch it. Now, it is a weekly-based uh, release. So if you're wanting to binge it, wait about six more weeks because there are only four episodes in. Now, I was fortunate enough to, to get to watch the first couple episodes, and there's still two more before um, I catch up to the weekly release schedule. But I'm really, I'm really digging it so far. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it can be serious at times, too. But, you know, like I said, you're, you're along the journey trying to, you know, watch this character figure things out as she goes. So. I can't wait for the episodes with Ron Jeremy and the one with Vern Troyer. Big names. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, so that's pa- what I did this week. <laughs> had myself a biggie, biggie week. Yeah, you did. I sure did. And uh, ended up having some friends along the way that I didn't realize I was going to have. Of course, we talked about it before. The Meepleville, uh, that's the board game cafe here in town, uh, had their flea market. Ah. Where a bunch of people bring in their, pay 10 bucks for a table and they bring in their board games to sell for more than that. Uh, in some cases, not. <laughs> The thing, oh my God, that thing's packed. Yeah, I mean, they when did, they did, buy did, a table, they use it up. It's stacked up, and it's like Tetris in there. I was excited to go, but then I realized I couldn't go because I had a prior engagement. We had to do a thing for our house. But did you get there at noon, or did you get there a little early? I got there a little early. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I was one of the first ones in the door. Good man. And uh, and oh yeah, the, there was good stuff, and it was getting snatched up left and right. Told you. In fact, someone uh, did uh, grab a Fallout out out from under me there, so I did miss that. But I did buy three. I was going oh, to limit myself to three. I have Fallout. Oh, good. So then I'll borrow it from you. Yeah. Uh, so I limited myself to three games, and uh, I found the three that I wanted. I was very happy with my grabs. First of all, I grabbed Flashpoint, which is a uh, cooperative firefighting game. It was played on tabletop back in the day, I think of the third season of tabletop, uh, where there is a building on fire and people must be rescued. And you, it's it, very much like Pandemic, where the game is out to kill you and you got to save people before it does. And uh, it's super, super hard, but it's, I don't know, something about the way that the uh, virus spreads like Pandemic, except in this case, it's fire and people are burning alive and you must save them. Cool. What'd you get it for? Uh, I got it for ten bucks. So, nice. So, Retails for thirty-four. Yeah, yeah. So that was fantastic. I did buy a Clank in space. I've been waiting to buy one of the Clank games for a while, and In Space is one of the better ones. Now, Clank just what? released. Just, what so is let me that? get this straight. Now, this, so it's Clank, but it's in space. You nailed it. Absolutely. Space. Uh, uh, they have recently just released. I think it was is Clank Catacombs. I think that's their newest one. Uh, but Clank, if you played the original game, is a fantasy-based game where everybody is kind of a, well, a dungeon delver, a, a, a murder hobo, if you will, in the D&D parlance. Uh, you're going down into the dungeon, and you're going down to steal treasure, and whoever steals the most treasure and gets out wins. However, you don't want to make noise. Noise is called clank. And in doing so, you wake up the dragon who is out to kill everyone, and it finds you by the noise you make. It has a fantastic noise mechanic where there is uh, everybody has a cube of their own color, and when you make noise, the cube of your color goes into a velvet bag, uh, which is filled with uh, black cubes. Uh, that's the uh, dragon's cubes. So when the dragon does awake, 
whether it discovers you is by someone reaches into that bag and pulls out the color. And if it matches one of the player's colors versus the dragon, they are found and damaged. And you have to go in, grab the treasure, the treasure that you go, the deeper you go, the more points it's worth. But you can also be stuck because once somebody leaves that dungeon, that begins the clock that everyone has to leave by a certain amount of time or be sealed in there forever. I like that. That combines that seal you're in there forever thing adventures. like the adventures. And I guess that might be where Tango Tech got his clank idea for uh, decked out for Minecraft. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Now, of course, Clank in Space is this game, but in space. And, and it has a more a modular board versus a singular board. So it's a... it's a. You mean like a tier? Oh, I'm sorry. More of a tiled board, I guess okay. I should say. Okay. Uh, and where, where, where if you get regular Clank, they sold a lot of boards for regular Clank. So oh. you could get like two-sided boards. And if you get the original Fantasy, you get two boards and you can buy more. Uh, this one allows for tiling, and that's what they've kind of gone with with the new Catacombs version. They even released a Clank Legacy game a while back based on the Acquisitions Incorporated uh, that RPG. Great. Uh, that one I've been trying to find, and that's uh, that's near impossible at this what? point. But legacy game, so like Gloomhaven, like Gloomhaven, where you make changes to the board that are permanent, and then when you're all done, you have a replayable Clank board that is all yours and only yours. Okay, replayable. That's yes. the thing. Yeah, it has a mo- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has. Mo- you can't replay. You can't replay the legacy part of it. It's fine. Yeah, but. <laughs> But once you've gone through all the scenarios, you then have a final board and that you have... You know where I'm going, going with this. As long as you're not tearing up fucking cards. Yeah, yeah this one's not a, t- a card tearing. You can use removable stickers and then you're fine. Made by the same people who would say in the back of comic books, cut this thing out and mail it in. No! There was one guy there selling Frosthaven. He had got the Kickstarter. He received it. Ooh. He was selling it for 250 which is about $100 more than it's going to be for retail. Uh, so I gave it a Screw hard pass. Guy. Wow. But, uh, There's a couple of those there. people there who oh, are yes. kind of scummy. Yes. So. And the third game I bought is Fog of Love. I have been looking for Fog of Love What the actual shit ages. is that? It is so hard to freaking find. <laughs> He's so excited. He hit his microphone. I did. I just got excited. Uh, it is a two-player romantic comedy storytelling board game. Romantic comedy? Yes. You lost me. It's when you see it played. I hate rom coms. I hate them. That's not it's not the point. You when you when you see the game itself, you it's two players, you're basically taking on various characters, all right? You are randomly dealt traits for each of your characters, and then you have to find out through a series of cards and events and how your character would vote based on their characteristics, uh, whether the uh, relationship can survive the test of time interesting it's a fascinating little game it's not about winning or losing it's about just telling an interesting story but it's not like a role-playing game although it does kind of want you to lean into that a little bit but that's really not the point everything why, is why done do you through. want this game I, i've seen it played on quite a few uh channels and it's so different compared to everything else i see out there that I've been intrigued by it since I found it. And I thought I'd, I'd never find it again because it's been out of print for a while. Okay. And I bought it for five bucks. <laughs> ah, well, what the Nice. So those three games, those are the ones I chose. But it just so happened that uh, halfway through my picking and choosing uh, that the uh, two guys from Two Broke Geeks, Justin and Matt, had walked in. It was like, 
they're visiting Vegas and they wanted to check out the Meepleville thing. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I know these guys. So we struck up a conversation and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm headed to LVO after this. You want to come with? So I introduced Two Broke Geeks to the world of tabletop gaming on a competitive level. Oh, oh you boy. bastard. They're not going to be able to do anything. They're yeah. broke. Ah, exactly. <laughs> well, although I did teach them ways to circumvent the high cost of Warhammer. That was very evil of you. Why don't you teach us that? Uh, I did. You go to you, you you go to the friggin' auction with me all, all the time. Yeah, and it's expensive well, all the time. Well, not as expensive as it would be if you yeah. had retail. The relative yeah. high cost. Yeah, the relative <laughs> is the right term here. Uh, if you're not familiar, LVO, Las Vegas Open, happens every year. It is the world's largest, I dare say, professional uh, Warhammer tournament uh, that is held in the year. It's the final event of the uh, professional circuit, and so it's one of the ones that has the most cachet. So it's everybody who's anybody that plays it on a higher competitive level. They are there to, uh, uh, well, win and potentially be able to play Warhammer for uh, a living for a few years. Wow. Tell, t- okay, tell us about it. Like- so it's it's a elimination tournament, and it's not just Warhammer. It's multiple tabletop games, but the big draws Warhammer. It's put on by Games Workshop for the most part. The company that runs it is Frontline Games, uh, but it's 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 Games Workshop through and through. Mm-hmm. They have lots of rules for their vendors of things they can and cannot sell, Ooh. which is. Awful. Yeah. Uh, makes it the vendor's room very unusual for what you'd expect. Like, if you go to one of the bigger, uh, uh, like, more encompassing events, like Adepticon in uh, Illinois, uh, that's also a whole bunch of tabletop games, but it's not run by Games Workshop. It's an independent thing. So the vendor's hall is full of all sorts of good stuff. Uh, this one, uh, only uh, Frontline Games and Games Workshop is allowed to sell Warhammer things. Oh, you have you. Yeah. What's everybody else selling? Paint. Every, every, yeah. Paint, terrain things, other game things. Just not Warhammer. Figure cases. Yep. Lots of figure cases. Uh, <laughs> miniatures for painters to paint that aren't Warhammer. Slash fic. Uh, not yet, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure it would be allowed Spandex under the rules. fighting outfits. <laughs> Deodorant. Yes, indeed. Was it stinky? Uh, you know what? There was only one time I hit the, the hit the uh, the SoundCloud, and it uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a moment, but it was only one moment. Okay. It so. is winter too, so I'm sure that helped. It does help. Yeah. yeah. People bundling up. Indeed. Yeah. What was the uh, the ratio of men to women? Oh my God, ninety eight percent. Of women, ninety-eight percent women. It's a surprising. <laughs> wow! It's wow! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Um, but no, of course it's it's all a bunch of big sweaty dudes, lots of neck beards, and it's pretty fantastic if you're into it. Any but, cosplay? Uh, very little. Oh, there I saw, there was a few. I saw a few Marvel characters walking around. Interesting enough, there's a Marvel tabletop game, Crisis Protocol, and there had a significant presence in one of the rooms. That's uh, that game is really taking off. Hmm. Uh, but it is if you are not into tabletop games this is not a convention this is not for you this is for competitors and people who are interested in those competitions and if you happen to be like me and really into painting miniatures it's for you too uh to a smaller point there's a lot of professional classes that you can take some of my favorite youtube painters were there giving classes oh nice uh, but uh 
But if you're not into those two things, there's nothing for you there. There, there is no, no vendor selling books of RPGs. There is nobody selling costume things. There is no general gaming thing there. It is all tabletop fuckery through and through. And I'm talking miniature fuckery, not just tabletop games. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, but, it, but, if, but if you're into it, it's a hell of a time. In fact, I didn't go on Sunday and I actually watched the finale live on YouTube between the, the final two Warhammer players. Uh, Blood Angels won this year, by the way, everybody, in case you were, you were uh, chomping the bit for that one. But it was great walking around with Justin and Matt and pointing out uh, uh, why you should play this and why you shouldn't. And just having a grand old time uh, looking at everyone's paint jobs and just uh, just soaking in the nerd nerdmosphere. Were people dressed like bizarrely just to, to throw their opponents uh, off? The there Kirsten will you attest, keep talking about Kirsten it. Kirsten will attest to this. There's one dude. Okay. One dude every year that has a costume that he puts together. Uh, Kirsten, describe the one that uh, you were there for. Uh, it was some kind of red spandex pants uh, with, I, I don't know if it was specific symbols or, or, or themed or what, but it was like red spandex pants with... Pants for a unitard. Uh, no, pants. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. So no, no shirt. Yeah, he was... N- ne- no shirt. Neck it up. Yeah. Waist neck up. it up, wow. yeah. And it was just, it was just like... Like good to look at or like why the hell are you not wearing a shirt? Yeah, you know what? relatively not bad <laughs> yeah no it compared it, to it, the it, audience yes yes it compared to the audience it's just oh you know it's like he he wouldn't win any bodybuilding competition yeah, they're not but, hiring him for thunder down under yeah but in this room he could probably get busy with yes another fellow male nerd because there's no oh. one else to get oh get yeah yeah yeah. Right, yeah so yeah so that was uh that was the year i was there yeah. Well, he was back again this year, and mm. then a full-body, uh, gold lame-style uh, tights once again, but but bottoms and top this time. Unitard. So, you know, so yeah, Unitard. F- yeah, through, uh, but with little soft golden spikes across all of it, uh, legs up through his body, the whole thing. Um, I really appreciate that, man. I admire yeah. the dedication. Did, yeah. I, I, it, there's two guys who's always there every year. Him, which is changes his shit up every year, and then there's the guy in the suit. Now, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's like one a- guy that's fully dressed up, head to toe, full suit, and he is playing the gentleman's game. He, that's cool. He he is playing. Wait, he doesn't have a neck beard, does he? No. Okay. No. Ner- that's nerdy cool. nerd chest. Just do- doing what you'd expect a nerd in a suit. Uh, it's it's kind of like. He, he dressed up for a new wave band and then made the wrong turn into Games Workshop. Yeah. Now, now, Kirsten, the the guy in the red spandex pants, was he trying to do Kirk from Charlie X that episode? Is that what <laughs> is that what you're describing, or just the? It, it, it's sort of, but it was of? shiny. It was shiny oh, okay. spandex. It All was right, shiny spandex. Because like as soon as you said sp- sp- red spandex pants and sure. nothing else, that's the only image that popped into my head, and I'm like. You're is he lucky. Going for the Captain Kirk thing, or is this like com- something completely different? It was really funny because okay. also when I was looking at the picture that Todd sent me, because uh-huh. of course I was like, "Is that a cod piece?" It's like, no, I it's think it's a, a hip, fanny pack. It's a, it's a fanny pack. pack yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a fanny pack with teeth. But uh, I would have appreciated a cod piece more. <laughs> yeah, that's a hip pack. Yeah, <laughs> really needed that. Um, I I would admire this more if more people dressed like uh, in suits and whatnot. Because if this is your 
if this is your big event for for tabletop gaming for the year, you should dress up. Well, that's just it. There's plenty of dressing up. They're just not dressed up in costumes. They're usually groups that come in like teams, like groups of like six guys, or because they're, they're the whole underworld of games workshop game players on the competitive level uh, they form these little tribes and those little tribes come to this thing as a group with their well put it this way when we did the comic book convention we created these geek shock jerseys right with their names on the back that's what all these people are doing yeah, I think we should have no. been in three-piece suits, but that's, you know. And some what of about, them... I don't own a three-piece suit. Not you. Yeah, actually, be, no, that, you too. That would be pretty awesome, though. Very eurythmics of you. I'm, yeah. Okay, yeah. I get behind yeah. it. Thank you, Jeff. That's what thank we you. thank yes. you for. We needed that to yeah. punch it home. These dreams are made of these. <laughs> Who am I to disagree? Uh, but, and some of those, the ones that are really good, uh, some of the ones that have won in the past have their sponsorships on their on their backs on their sides their patches some of these people are paid because if you win this not only do you win a cash prize don't ask me how much it is i have no idea and the trophy and your bragging rights but for the next few years you will be invited to various podcasts and so on to exp- talk about your strategies and so on you will be uh, courted by various companies wanting to set you to help them sell their miniature based products and you will also probably set up a patreon where you will do one-on-one coaching with people at a very high rate when you win this thing you have basically decided that uh, or you could decide to make Warhammer your job to teach it, to play it, to fly all over the country and all over the world because this is the world's largest competition and basically be the sports figure of Warhammer. There you go, Barry. Hashtag goals. (laughs) No, because uh, I just checked the Reddit really quick, and I don't know if this is true, where they said last year the prize was like $5,000. That's how much it costs to get into Warhammer to begin with. <laughs> but dude, all the Patreons and appearing on podcasts and one-on-one training sessions, that's you to a T. Yeah, it's its not the $5,000 prize award. It's the reward, it's the award itself uh, yes. that allows you it's to the go honor, out and monetize really. your tactics. That makes sense. That is kind of interesting you mentioned that, that how low the cash prize is because I... A few weeks ago, I found this mini doc on uh, YouTube where they were talking about tournaments and how a lot of times the prizes in these tournaments aren't even remotely close to what the people that enter these tournaments spend, not just traveling to... Oh, especially costuming tournaments. Yeah, costuming tournaments was one of the, the major things that they brought up. It was like cosplayers are spending you know, tens of thousands of dollars on... Uh, components to put their costumes together, and then the cash prize might be five hundred bucks. So it's it, it's boggling. A convention unless, credit, <laughs> unless they come to Vegas at Halloween, right? And enter in one of the strip. Like they could make yeah. bank doing one of those you, contests. Well, I, I we we figured that this thing out like twenty years ago. You want to win on the strip on Halloween? You need stilts, you need lights, and you need tits. Not in that specific you know order, one or the other, but you do need all three. Or big giant wings with lights. Something with lights and tits. What about tits with lights? Or lighted stilted tits. Yes. I'll, All I'll, of those things together. I'll tape some Christmas lights to my man boobs. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I was going to say, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> what? Good story. <laughs> yeah. Good I'm like, 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 are you talking like, like, like boobs like our size or are you talking more like, like implants? D- dude, it's he Vegas. Means- <laughs> like bolt on. Like our man boobs. Yes. Man we're boobs all pretty, will win. We're all pretty, down. uh, pretty pudgy Super here. Super buff pecs? Yes. No, no, actually. You need. You need, you need you, you, women with yeah. need tits. Okay. Wow. Proper tits. Well, you're getting I've there, heard Barry. Dead I mean, you know. Tits. <laughs> My God. <laughs> with lights, spinning wheels. Yeah. But then you're distracting from the Smoke. show. Smoke. So. Sparklers. Yeah. Sparklers. Yeah. Always. Audio. Kirsten, what'd you do this week? Uh. What really? were we talking about? Oh. <laughs> what um, you did this week, dude? I. I, I... What, really? What is going on right what now? What is happening to you? I ran. I ran. Um, so far away. Yes. I stole it before Jeff did. Yep. <laughs> some more uh, some more black pudding um, for the gang for uh, Major Meh, Rum Cake, um, Maple Leaf, and Mrs. Maple Leaf. I had their characters go up a level, and we had fun because... Uh, this being old, old school D&D, one of the things they needed to do was hire some hirelings. <laughs> so, Jesus, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, so we went through the interview and audition process and, you know, uh, Paulette, of course, was just, you know, how much adventuring you've done? How many adventures have you been on? You know, how long you've been, you know, and just... Questions I'd expect in an interview. Yeah, yes, in the in the in the D and D. What is your biggest did, flaw? Did you feel like you were being deposed? Yeah, that would make that would make perfect sense. For oh her. well, dude. <laughs> yeah, you, you just, sell this mace to me, and then they then they um, uh, set up contracts. Oh, okay. So so yeah, she was, and it was really funny because uh, Major Meh rolled up, bumbling, and uh, for his character. But like of it. course, of course, uh, Major Meh couldn't stop being Major Meh. So when they were talking to the characters and stuff like that, he would he would start, dare I say, metagaming. <gasps> you know, no. I know, no. I know, I know. It's, uh, How it, dare you suggest he do such oh, a thing? Oh, it was terrible. But, you know, then he'd go back to bumbling, but, you know, after he metagamed. So. Tomb of Annihilation is an interesting uh, thing that, that uh, they built into it where they give you like 10 or 12 different characters and they give you a blurb about each one and uh, you get the higher one as a guide through the jungle from port you know Daro Chert? to no what is it, the through Chult. Chult. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the jungle of Chult. Yeah. And you need a guide through that. Right. That that's fun. It was fun. And it reintroduced the idea of getting a hireling. Yeah, I actually mm-hmm. have for the one I'm running for Houston, they have a hireling. Yeah. Yeah, well this one they 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 wanted a, a ranger type. They were looking for a rogue type. They the the one rogue they ran across was just too expensive for their tastes, so um, they they uh, settled for the Aragorn like ranger. They actually talked to two rangers, and the chick ranger didn't impress apparently, so they went with the Aragorn ranger. And then there was the old man, who was telling them to get rid of evil, and and I'm pretty sure Paulette wanted to hire him because she was hoping he would die and she would take his magic stuff, <laughs> so. And then there was a barbarian, uh, the, the character class Sinewy Barbarian. Oh, yeah. So he paired off well with uh, Rum Cake's uh, Chainmail Chick. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> but um, 
that was fun. That was a it was a fun process getting that together, and then they entered the first part of the uh, the hidden temple of Calixtra. Oh, oh, I like yes. the name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you you'd love her sobriquet too, the mother of vomit. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know if yeah. loves the word, but I do respect it. <laughs> so, I love the word sobriquet. Yeah, you don't get to so, hear that often. No, nah, you know, what and does it, 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 it mean like. It, it's Moniker? just a, yeah. It's like a, a nom de guerre. It's 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 the 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 ancillary name that kind of describes you. Got so it. so like most gods, right? It's the opposite of fireball K. Sober <laughs> sober K. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Points for Jeff. Thank you. Is, oh, that, is that this episode named Sober K? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but um. So yeah, we we started in on that. They fought a uh, ghostly uh, a ghostly uh, uh, rattlesnake, giant rattlesnake, and they uh, um, Maple Leaf's luchador character killed it. I forgot he was a luchador. He's a luchador. He's loving it too. I one of the things I like about Matt when he plays is you know you could literally pull up a random table and just roll shit off, and he will embrace it like nobody's business yeah Yeah, it's just he just he throws himself head first into the shallow end of the pool so um but yeah so so there was that i'm actually i'm actually enjoying looking at simpler uh forms of D D. Um, Black Pudding is a, a spinoff and actually kind of an adjunct. It's not a complete game on its own for the Labyrinth Lord, which was a um, like based off the movie The Labyrinth. Uh, no, no, no. Oh no! Damn, I, lo- I lost the, lost the thread too there, Deb. <laughs> I was like, I want to play this game. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, uh, everybody take the feet package. Um, but um, no, it's uh, Labyrinth Lord is a- in advance and level by singing a song. <laughs> Yeah. Like for reals. There you go. No. I'm down for and, this. And this sounds great. Man. Oh, babe, babe with the power. What power? The power. No. Do you, do you, no. Do no. 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 I hate what this podcast has become. Yeah. Good job, Barry. Good job. You inspired them. I'm never going to run this game. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to play game. in this game. If you it. run this game, I'm leaving while this game is <laughs> being played. Never going to run this game. Never going to play this game. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, but I'm enjoying looking at in Labyrinth Lord. It's like a uh, cleaned up and more codified version of the old BX uh, basic expert uh, D&D, which were the kind of children's form of the game. Basic expert? Yeah, those. That's like the like uh, your red box, the red yeah. box, blue box, red um, blue. Wait, it's red. Oh my black. God. No, no, red blue, red blue black. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. There was red blue. Then there was like a, a like a okay. light blue companion, Purple. light blue, and then that's uh, the one that introduced strongholds and followers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. And then there was black. And then there was, <laughs> and then there was gold. <laughs> there was like immortals. Was like one of gold. love yeah. gold. Yeah, um, it's important. It's my childhood. Yep. So, uh, although that was, it's funny because BX, there's also Beckme, which is the beginner expert companion uh, master, I think, yeah. Immortals. So, but so I, I didn't realize that they acronymed it to Beckme, though. I, yeah. I, I adore it. Yeah. So, um, but Labyrinth Lord, 
also has Advanced Labyrinth Lord, which kind of takes some first edition stuff and brings it in. Um, and so you can do things, you can have races class, or you could actually have your elf be a race, but he's also a magic user as opposed to, you know, the way they would do that. And I also use the traditional um, saving throws. So you had your, your, wad, your wads. Your saving, wa- saving throw versus wad. That's saving a- throw versus wad. Yeah, you know. Going back to the Ron Jeremy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, wands and uh, the rot staff spells and poison, petrification, death. Um, so that was fun uh, running through that with the gang. Uh, I sort of improvised a skill system where you rolled the, 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 the roll under when you use your score. So it's like roll your wisdom, but you got to roll under your wisdom. So the higher your wisdom, the better chance you get. And boy, Paulette was just like, so here we're running, we're rolling low. And I was like, yeah. But when I we're attacking, we're rolling high. Yeah. And she, she was getting a bit testy with me. So, Dem, them's the rules. You yeah. also have to sing down in the underground. <laughs> oh, boy. You'll find someone to um, so, anyway, I and I'm I just like ex, uh, exploring with a lot of different like rule sets things because uh, I'm thinking of the geek D and D, the G and D, and what to take and what to use, and I'd like to incorporate older you know stuff, but at the same time have something that people could look at and say you know actually, you know not have that. So here. I'm rolling low there. I'm, you know, so it's not a hard concept to grasp. Yeah. So, but there are things to play with. So we're, we're going to, you roll and then you check the table, the Thacko table and uh, you see oh, where they no, hit. No, 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 no. Ascending. We're doing ascending armor class. Oh. Had to figure out how to, uh, figure out armor class, but we got that done. You take the armor class, subtract it from nine. And that difference is added to 10. That's the ascending armor class. So fuck all those Thacko assholes who say I can't do math because I can do math, you fuckers. And yeah, so I think I think that's the major thing that it did. It was cool. Oh, and pinball, pinball with the two broke geeks. Oh, fantastic! Where I happened to casually mention Meepleville, and they were like, "Oh, so that's your fault that I ran." It was my fault. Ah, Yeah, so. Uh, although I, I uh, LVO wasn't my fault. That was no, your that fault all the way. That was one hundred percent my that fault. That was you. Yeah. What's crazy is that's the hotel that they were staying at. Oh, oh that's, that's crazy. It that's just funny. happened to be in Vegas at the hotel where LVO was happening, so uh, they had to go. That's very funny. That's very perfect too. Yeah, I played like twenty dollars worth of uh, of a gauntlet. So ah, I just did you beat it? Gauntlet um, Legends. Uh, Does it have an yeah. ending? Yeah. Of that game. Mm-hmm. What? Does it have an ending? I don't know. I haven't ended it. So, but I just keep feeding quarters. I actually jammed it up Red at Archer one point. Archer needs food badly. Oh, yeah. Blue Valkyrie is about to die. <laughs> so I got a lot of that. Well, you, you were on that for, for about an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I just least. kept feeding it. And yeah. If I had a quarter for every time I heard that, I'd still be playing. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, Justin and Matt and I were wandering around the. The thing, and uh, at one point they came back around and was like, "Is Kristen still playing Gauntlet?" And I'm like, "Yep, yeah." And then when I was done, yeah, I was right at the end, and the quarters were jammed, right? So I had to get the guy, and I was hoping just to get my quarters, and then I could 
right? So he goes in there and he opens up and he's like, oh yeah, I can see it. And he's, yeah, hold on, tinker, tinker, tinker. And like a half dozen quarters fall out of the uh, of the machine. See? And he goes, Vegas. okay, boop, boop, boop. And he yeah. gives me credits. Yeah, they don't so give I you refunds. To, yeah, so I had to play some more. <laughs> So, just had to. Yeah, yeah, I played some more. It was really funny because at one point I was I was racing so um, at for a brief time, two broke Matt jumped in with me, and for uh, I was racing so hard to get quarters in, I slapped start and hit the wrong thing, and so I was a first level wizard we oh, fighting the no. fucking dragon. <laughs> so I was like, Red Wizard's about to die, and I'm like, You're damn straight, he is. Let's get back to Blue Valkyrie. So, so yeah. I was amazed because I hadn't been there since we were there, I, maybe like a year ago. But I remembered my password because if you if you do a password to your initials, you can pick up where you left off with your character level. So I was able to pick up with my Valkyrie. That's a fine memory you have, sir. Yeah, yeah. How well, do you even choose that when you first start? You um, the when you choose your character, it'll say enter your initials. Right. Like for putting up the points, but then it'll say enter your password, and if you hit the right password, it's it'll pluck the character, it'll pluck the information for that uh, for those initials. I didn't realize so, that. So yeah, so so yeah, uh, th- and that was fun. I I loved. I think I don't know if I picked it up because I think it's on Steam. I think there's some version of it on Steam. It's got to be right. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I picked it up yet or not. I don't know because that that's going Gauntlet, Wasdy. Ugh. Yeah, I'll, I'll be like Steve Biggs, just you know, staring at the ceiling, spinning I don't know in how a to circle. Move. You, can, you can get a cheap gamepad. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not uh, there yet. I got oh, a yeah. few others. I got taxes. Oh yeah, I was paid ten ninety nine last year. Oh, here we so go. I'm gonna have taxes. Oh yeah, it's are. really funny. I don't know if I made enough to owe income tax, but I'm gonna owe self employment tax. Nothing but so. A I'm looking at Steam right now. I just type in Gauntlet. There's a lot of games with the word Gauntlet. Yeah, there really are. It's a popular sobriquet. Huh? <laughs> Gauntlet. Okay, Gauntlet <laughs> Slayer Edition from 2014. Ooh, that's it, Slayer. But yeah. in regards to pinball at the actual pinball hall, does it of play Rain and Blood in the background? Is that how that works? <laughs> they had a bunch of new stern tables there. It was pretty cool. cool. They actually have like a, a stern center in the middle of the thing now, and uh, they had a James Bond table. It says oh. Doctor No, but like you can unlock like a lot of the uh, the subsequent films. Doctor Yes, um, ah, I love. They that had one. a Godzilla table, Rush table. You can call me Doctor. I played the Rush table. It's all right. It's interesting because there's a lot more stuff going on in the little video board in this in the center of the uh, the scoreboard at the top. Almost too ex- too distracting because you're trying to watch the table, but you're also trying to watch all the little things that are going on in that. Oh, you can't bit. do that. You can't do that's either. A, that's a rookie mistake. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like oh, that's cool. Oh, fuck. That's for the people watching you be a pinball yeah. wizard. There are a couple of pinball games now, though, the newer ones, that you have to like pay attention yeah. to what's going on there, and it's obnoxious because you're trying to not let your ball go. Like, It's annoying. But you have, you're supposed to be watching. It interferes both. with your ball handling. Well, it it sucks. And on the Rush game, when Cygnus X1 comes up, then mm-hmm. you know, it fucking black hole, and it sucks up all the oh, balls. Like Jesus Black Hole yeah. Sun, won't you come? 
Won't you wash away? I hate that fucking <laughs> song. Deb just jeffed us. It's infectious, isn't God, it? God, this is the episode. None of you guys are leveling your characters by singing because we're not playing that game. I didn't actually sing that, did I? I did not. No, you, you shattered it. That's such a sad love. Deep in your eyes. Barry's just I upset because he's not leveling up, and we all are. Oh, ooh. I feel like I'm, I'm gauntlet losing thrones. I got My touched by a goodness white gracious, old yeah. D and D. Is it a white the one that you, they suck the levels away from you? Sure. sure. Just remember, Ugh. Barry. White Resistance vampires. Style. Yes. <laughs> this this is obviously Barry's opinion, and for that, I have to say, Deb, what time is it? News you don't give a shit about. Yeah. Yeah. The fish of a Japanese YouTuber, Muti Kimaru, that's how I'm going to say that. And it's better than Todd would have done. Uh-huh. Managed to purchase, to make a purchase on his Nintendo Switch. Wait, wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. The fish wait, made a purchase? The fish did, okay. yes. Then it leaked his credit card info to the internet. What? What the? <laughs> you need, I need context. <laughs> The YouTuber uploads and streams video game content on his channel. Okay. But the stars of the show are really his fish. So he's rigged up a system that tracks the fish so that they can control the video games by, it reads the way that they move and it makes the characters move. A motion sensor that translates to control Yes. Camera motion. Yes. Motion tracking, it translates to video feed and it feeds to various video game consoles. Um, and he has nearly 93,000 YouTube subscribers that follow his fish playing video games. In is total- the fish playing video games or is it just wandering around town square in a circle? I don't know. In 2020, um, his fish friend managed to beat Pokemon Sapphire in 3,195 hours, according to TechSpot. Sure, people can do it faster, but it's pretty yes. impressive that a fish did it, right? Uh, eventually, sure. So he decided to see if they could also beat Pokemon Scarlet and Violet on Nintendo Switch. Right, level up. So he hooked up his gaming system and just let the fish do their thing. Now, thousands of hours a fish plays big game later can be boring to watch, and so a lot of times what he does is he just he hooks it up, lets the fish run while he's not home, okay. right? So that they can Always dangerous. Play. As one does. Yes. So one of these days that happened... And the system crashed. It had been running fine for over 1,000 hours and it crashed. And the application shut down, the game application, but the motion capture system did not. Oh, no. So. (laughs) Oh, no. So by tracking their movements, they activated the Nintendo store. (laughs) They bought Nintendo points with his credit card. Then... Broadcast the credit card information <laughs> on the internet. On the internet. Purchased a premium avatar. <laughs> downloaded a Nintendo 64 emulator. And changed his account name to Roawaawaawe. They did all of this in seven hours before he realized what was going on and came home and fixed the problem. Oh, I love it so much. I I applaud his idea of motion capture fish to play video games out of the box thinking. Amazing outcome. Two things. One, I'm nominating that for story of the year. (laughs) That's not even an award we give out. No, no. And it is now. Yeah, really. Uh, And two, 
is, is the, are the are the movements random? Because the the fish clearly is not. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's tracking the fish and what the fish does randomly. It chooses something in the game. That's why it took three thousand hours to yeah. beat a Pokemon game. Well, I mean, there is, there's also there was a robot that was designed with a fish in a tank on top of it that it would travel in the direction the fish was swimming, and it was wheeled. And uh, the fish actually started directing the robot around the floor when... See, and I wonder if the setup, if he had the monitor somehow so that the fish can visually like see change in color or right. something. React like, to something. Right, yeah, so but that they fish do goes move. forward, <laughs> and then it's got to stop going well, forward well, at it, some but, point. But it'll, be, it'll be up against it, and it'll kind of... Oh, it'll yeah. just... Okay. It'll still track yeah. fin it, movements. Yeah, yeah. I'm not up on my no. I think fish I, I think I think the gist of it was the yes. fish kind of learned to direct the tank around the room. Well, that's cool. And the fact that the motion capture software can like detect the refined movements of like a fish, right? right? I mean, fish aren't especially aquarium sized fish usually aren't that big. So I guess there's only a limited yeah. number of games that that would work with because I'm just picturing Skyrim just running in circles, <laughs> running in circles in Helgen. Minecraft. I would watch uh, that. Minecraft. One, I bet you it learns how to how to turn uh, shit into gold and gets a whole bunch of blacksmith. <laughs> Transmute. Yeah, yeah. Transmute. 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 Yeah, I mean it's the simplest thing. I don't understand what kind of person would not know that. Even a fish knows that. There you go, and have lots of cheese wheels too. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's just a Skyrim given. Come yeah. on. News you don't give a shit about. Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, well, oh, that was pretty. This special. is this is this is. I think this, this one. This one's not the same. Down. It's not on par. This is more a little rant, oh. side rant of mine. Oh, oh, oh my! Yes. Oh boy, here we go. Okay, Variety two film critics. They published their five top worst films of 2022. Okay. Okay. And I read the list, and I just think the choices they picked are obnoxious. And they started their article off by making this statement. When film critics hand out negative judgments, we're often called mean. And in that, we're actually, and if that were actually the case, our list of the year's worst movies would be the meanest thing we do. Yet, where the word mean suggests an element of malice, we like to think that this is particular occasion for insult, and and evective just isn't really about us. It's about movies that were, in fact, so bad that they almost challenge us to describe all the ways that they went so wrong. And if you think we're mean, then so be it. We'll like to think we're just accurate. I will be the judge of that. That's exactly what I, I said. I will be the critic of so, that. So their number one top worst film of 2022. Now, mind you, we have seen, Barry and I lately, been trying to catch up on some movies every once in a while, and we have seen some pretty crappy movies that came out in 2022. Oh, okay. Their first most worst film that came out was Amsterdam, which starring Margaret Robbie, Christian Bale, and John David Washington. We watched this film. I don't know if we've talked about it on here. I enjoyed it. Now, it wasn't like it amazing was an and great. Film. It was an enjoyable film. It it takes place um, after World War One, and um, kind of these people trying to find, you know, what to do after the war, and then they end up staying in Europe for a while. And um, uh, John David Washington's character falls in love with Margaret Robbie's character, and you know, for that time period, that's also not something that's really, you know doable in the United States so they don't come back all these things it actually was an interesting story and it had that like quirky feel that um, real Wes Anderson type of feel yeah that Mm. is enjoyable especially like I enjoy when Christian Bale plays those types of roles because it lets him do something besides the over dramatic which he's good at um, but he also can do like the quirky slightly satire stuff too and I enjoy it 
They said it was their worst film of the whole year. I'm like, it's a pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, their next one was the m- most recent Gru movie, which is super popular with children. It's a kids' film, first of all. It's a kids' film. Their whole big. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, Gru. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking G R O O. Minions, the rise. Minions, yes, the rise of Gru. Gru, but a film, amazing. Their whole big thing was why did they make another one? It just felt. I'm like because kids like it. That's why they made another one. It's Why not, did they make another one? Because it makes money for Universal. Yes, and kids enjoy it. Yeah. Those kids have all those unanswered questions. And their number five worst film was The 3,000 Years of Longing. So that one I did talk about when I saw it with Wasn't my mom. Wasn't that one critically acclaimed? I Okay, so it's one of those um, very I, visual films. Yeah. So when they're doing, and he's talking about the history and talking about his life, um, and they're doing the flashback scenes and stuff, it's... It's done very well. It's a very nice, like, it's very appealing to the eye film to watch. Okay. Um, the scenes are very visual. The color, like, the way that they've done it, the way that um, um, he narrates over, you know, his memories. It just, I enjoyed it as, not even, like, you don't have to like the whole, like, plot. The film as a whole is just, like, watching a movie is enjoyable to watch. It's an enjoyable film. <sighs> it really just, reading this article, I'm sorry, the reason I bring this up Reading this article really, really, really hits home for me about how much I cannot stand people who call themselves professional movie reviewers because they almost never, in my opinion, agree with the normal public people who watch movies to enjoy film. Ever. It doesn't make kind of an elitist air to it. Yes. Kind of like, uh, was, was it Siskel Niebert? Like, Siskel Niebert just had their show. And half the time, I agree with them. And half the time, I did not. And, you know, they always take the air of, well, we're the professionals and, you know, X, Y, Z and... A movie makes money or it doesn't. People like it or they don't. And you don't have to agree with the reasons why they do or don't. A film is there for people to enjoy. Well, that was Period. that was one of the interesting aspects of the, the podcast that I brought to the to the show. The uh, download, The Rise and Fall of Harry Knowles and uh, mm. Annual News, mm. is they talk about the death of professional film journalism in that. And that you have replaced a lot of professional film critics with a lot of online bloggers, many of whom have no journalistic background, many of whom are very opinionated, and a lot of them are these toxic individuals that somehow managed to garner a following and have moved it into a semi-professional career where they're, they're, uh, they're basically freelance for a lot of professional websites like Variety. So they lack a lot of the background to do true film criticism because they don't have a lot of film history right. knowledge and or have seen a lot of films. They go into it with a lot of bias and they don't approach it in the sense that, okay, I'm open, I want to watch this film, uh, either enjoy it or not on a merit basis and grade it based on a lot of different factors that a, that a normal film critic would be. It's like, I hated this from the moment they go in, and here's why I hated it. Right. That's the approach they're taking. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically. Or the other thing that I can't stand that a lot of YouTubers do now, which is, I'm going to break apart every single piece of this film and talk about it for 20 minutes and break and then do conjecture for the other half of it because, oh my God, they, I can't stand that either. Oof. And then you get the two extremes a lot more than you get real yeah. honest yeah. true film criticism I mean, there's, when, there's when, very few online critics that I follow um, 
uh, movies with Mikey. Mikey has some pretty Mikey, good. Mikey um, and, and Mikey is is not a toxic, yeah, rageaholic. I so. mean, he finds it's funny. I I have watched enough of his videos that he finds merit with things that I didn't like at all. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like okay, I can see why you feel that way, and right. you know, I I I accept your your analysis of this. Um, I wouldn't, even, is I wouldn't even put him in yeah. a critic angle. He is a film essayist. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. he's more of a... Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, but Movie Bob is another one that... Uh, he Mo- has some pretty decent <laughs> reviews. Like, even when, it's, even when he's kind of seeming like he's bagging on the film, he still brings up things He'll, that he liked about it, and he does give it a pretty fair rating overall does. most of the time. He's, Not always, but he, most of the time. Uh, well, um, when Steve was visiting, uh, we were plowing through YouTube and Movie Bob's uh, uh, Really That Bad, because he does Really That Good or Really Oh, right, right, right. And right, he right. did uh, the, <laughs> the, the Snyder Cut, and uh, Steve was like, oh, that looks interesting, and it was, and this is to speak to Deb's take every piece. It was three hours, so we yes, were like, is. no. Yeah. <laughs> I love Movie Bob, and I'm interested in what he's got to say, but no. You must really hate it to be three <laughs> oh hours long. It, it, and it would probably, and knowing Movie Bob, it would probably actually be kind of educational, kind of make some sense. It wouldn't be just, you know, like... I hate it, and here's yeah, why. Some man. of those uh, douchebags that are on YouTube, that their whole brand is is that. Yeah. But, oh, man, three hours, dude. Woo! So, yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, it... I don't know. I think a lot of it also stems from the fact that negative plays better. And so, well, you know, when, when it comes to, like, hits... When it comes to SEO, when it comes to YouTube algorithm, well, you know, being a raging asshole actually, yeah, that is another thing they brought up in that podcast I, I talked about. It, the, the 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 prolific toxicity attracts other people who are toxic because it opens them up to think, oh, it's okay for me to feel like right. this. I don't feel like I'm put over in a box and you know, generally told that the way I feel about things is not right. I can I can freely express my hatred. Mm-hmm. So that was that was another interesting point they brought up on that yeah. podcast. But uh, and I don't care if you don't like something. Yeah. But but some of the you know stuff when people's a lot of the most annoying stuff is when people start ascribing intentions to the artists. Yeah. You know or and the classic case being like the the rampant hatred of Kathleen Kennedy right by the. Mm-hmm. by the, the Star Wars toxic crowd. Attacking is, the artist instead of critiquing the art. Right, right. And it's just, it gets a little, that gets a little crazy because it's just like, just tell me what you didn't like. Right. And, and you know. Well, and, so. and too many people that have those negative views don't realize that a lot of art is subjective and relative. Your experience mm-hmm. may be completely different from my experience watching the exact same goddamn film. Right. It's the same thing as going to an art gallery, mm-hmm. you know? Have an artist go to some... I, I've, I've heard this was something that had happened before, that uh, an artist would approach them, uh, people randomly looking at their painting in an art gallery and would ask them what they thought of the painting and what impressions they got and got, you know... 10 different people gave 10 different sure. answers. Sure. And, of course, they don't identify themselves because they don't want to influence the... Um, you know, the reveal of what they felt about something. And I thought that was a, a 
a fascinating. Uh, yeah, you get a lot of that hatred uh, from sequels, prequels, and adaptations of work as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, case in point, all the Kathleen Kennedy stuff. People aren't looking at it from a, a like a blank piece of paper. They're looking at it from the lens of yeah, having watched the 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 original Star Wars and then the right. shitty prequels. Yeah, it's that bringing an inherent bias into the yeah. yeah. So if they if they made a new sci-fi film, Schmlar Wars, whatever, it had nothing to do with Star Wars. It's a right. And and I know, but Man, I would Schwartz watch. I wouldn't watch it. You. It's a terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> but if they're looking at it clean without any bias, and then they shit all over it, well, then you know, let's you know. find out why. But I, I agree the whole Kathleen well, Kennedy. Well, yeah, is... and and admittedly, uh, I think one deleterious effect on filmmaking, and this actually came up, Barry, with uh, the D and D directors, because they actually released a statement explaining the owl bear druid thing. I remember that. And it was really funny because they just basically went with the rule of cool. Now, they did make actually a good explanation in that we're, we looked at it as we're the DMs of this game and the DMs word is final. So we were like, you know, but it was it. I think the rule of cool has kind of intruded in a lot of filmmaking yeah oh, it has. to where to where it's like well you know who cares if it doesn't make any sense you really this is gonna to be go, really cool you really need to go look, listen to that podcast that i brought the, yeah. the, the download because everything that you're talking about they yeah. talk about in this podcast there you go how yeah. a lot of the studios learn to play the game is you know originally they, they, they would release original ideas and then they would get pooed on by the you know the literally pooed on yeah <laughs> yeah uh by a lot of these online man babies. And so they're like, okay, well, we're going to alter our filmmaking direction and go for things that they claim that they like. So that's why you do have a lot more comic book movies these days. You do have a lot more geek-centric stuff because the very loud minority made a huge stink about how they don't do right. They don't They don't follow the, the you know... The way the characters are in the comics, or they don't do what you're supposed to do in the novel, and you know, so they've altered their filmmaking, and that's why we get, in general, a lot of very similar projects because it makes them money. Mm-hmm. Well, you 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 eventually find the formula for yeah. success, and you're going to follow that so long as it's successful. Yeah, exactly. So, and the fact that you know, original stuff, you'll have small budgets. People make original stuff. It comes, it goes. Nobody talks about it. And that's the thing that really pisses me off when people make the originality well, yeah, I mean, argument because well, it's like there's stuff out there, guys. You're knife, not watching it. Knife, yeah. Knives Out and Everything Everywhere All at Once are outliers in that because yeah. those are two original projects with original ideas that did get critical acclaim and did get wide uh, public acknowledgement. Yeah. But there's so many others that just sure fly by night. Sure. Like know, the one I we just saw the other night, The Menu. Have yep. you seen this? That is a really Everyone's good film. talking about it, yeah. Love this film. I love it. It was really good. I literally went to the theater, watched it, you know, knowing nothing about it. And it is so goddamn dark, but it is so enjoyable. Yeah. Why did you, like, you all be quiet and look at me all of a sudden? <laughs> I don't know. It because was a we look were on done with face. our rant. Natural end to the conversation, Todd. You, you looked like you were about to contribute something. Yeah. So yes. we paused and then... Looking at Todd realized. is the natural end of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. I was going to contribute something. Okay. You remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe, the babe with the power. power. What power? The power of voodoo. Who do? You do. Do what? Remind no, me really? of the babe. Both the... Oh, God. Weekend geek! <laughs> <laughs>
You can't see it because this is an audio show. But I hit Todd twice. Yes. <laughs> Corporal punishment. <laughs> okay, we're gonna bring it up one more time, and then we, we've talked about it enough. Besides, it's almost over. Hopefully, um. the OGL saga has come to a close. Yeah, I'll be back in half an hour. For now, no, 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 for now. This is much shorter. Yeah, this is just a quick recap. Beginning of the month, a leaked document from Dungeons & Dragons publishers Wizards of the Coast showed changes to the open gaming license, OGL 1.1, that creators and fans were extremely furious about. Then the company made a half-hearted apology a week later. Uh, executive producer Kyle Brink then announced a feedback survey in an initial draft of OGL 1.2 designed to update 1.0 in a manner that would benefit company and, and fans. Then on January 27th, Brink made a new post on D&D Beyond announcing that D&D would end this campaign. The, the survey for OGL 1.2 was launched on January 19th, which means that after about a week, they've ended that and decided to leave the original OGL untouched, and they've launched the entirety of the System Reference Document, or SRD uh, 5.1, under a Creative Commons license. This move is irrevocable, and D&D cannot take it back. For the rest of time, anyone can use System Document 5.1 for their projects as long as it's permitted under a CCBY 4.0 license. Also, there's no more stupid VTT video tabletop policy that says you can't have animations on your virtual tabletop. Uh, it's a pretty substantial win for content creators and fans. And oh, yeah. D&D lost a lot of trust and goodwill in the process. Oh, yeah. Uh, some are still upset that OGL 1.0a isn't irrevocable and are predicting that 1D&D will be under a more restrictive license when it launches. This is a possibility and could start this fight up once again. Uh, but for now, all that Tempest and Teapot is over. And uh, as someone pointed out, I think I read this today, uh, before you couldn't mention like Beholders and Strahd, Monzarovich, and certain named things that are specific to D and D, you might be able to now because in the SRD, yeah. Beholders are mentioned, Mind Flayers, Elithids are mentioned, Strahd, Monzarovich is mentioned that's by very, name. That's a very interesting move there because it's it's sort of like, did they overlook that or are they like mm, they're just trying to give like make let's, up good? Faith. Let's really yeah. let's really. Uh, Let's really walk back how bad we... Because, yeah, a lot of people are commenting that the, the, the Creative Commons license is actually a lot more permissible than uh, 1.0a. Oh, yeah. No, the Creative Commons uh, BY 4.0 is way permissible. All you got to do is credit them back and say, hey, D&D made this yeah. at some point. And, and, it, and as I recall, it, it aren't there pretty significant uh, legal penalties if you try to revoke your Creative Commons? Like you try to take the content private again and... There's, I, I seem to remember there's some, Nothing, some like a pretty I think the thing about Creative Commons is it hasn't really been tested. Yeah, that's so, true. And th this was one of my observations is like, uh, now I mentioned this to Major Meh, and he says a lot of software companies do yeah, Creative Commons. Because yeah. I was wondering, is this what, like... open source stuff? Uh, I, yeah. I, I guess, yeah. because I was wondering, is this like the largest corporate use of Creative Commons? Uh, you, you know, probably it's the largest I've ever heard. Now I'm familiar with Creative Commons because I do marketing stuff, and when you when you get your images from places, uh, you either buy them from like iStock Photo or Shutterstock or some shit, or you get free ones on the internet, and you yeah. have to make sure that that they are licensed the right way. There's mm -hmm. a bunch of different Creative Commons licenses. They yes. all have different levels of shit. The the like the the 
The best one, obviously, is CC0. Free to do whatever the fuck you want with it. Yep. Right? Uh, that's... Obviously, they're not going to yeah. do that. They want to be able to say, uh, "No, don't make D and D porn, and don't uh, and credit D and D for having created the Beholder or whatever like that." But it's a very permissible license, and it's it's a big win. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it, and, and you know, it, I don't care what they. I honestly don't care what they do with sixth edition anyway. I know. You know, it's it's like it's sort of like fourth edition. It's like cuz the GSL for fourth edition was more restrictive than the OGL and it's like I didn't really care cuz uh, no one cared cuz fourth edition wasn't well, adopted well. Well, it a was, lot of yeah. people didn't like fourth edition, yeah. but it was also sort of like I'll play with whatever they're going to make anyway. Yeah. And it's like if I'm going to play sixth edition, I'm happy to do what they're going to do. Um, the, the the VTT is the key. And well, it's obvious. The VTT, obviously, yeah. That the, it's obvious they're going to put out something that nobody can compete with. Because oh, that, no. that was our discussion last week. I yeah. think it was totally unnecessary because they were obviously you gotta, you squeezing cover, out squeezing out competition. Got to cover your bets, man. Yeah, but dude, it's you, like you're spending, so, you're spending that kind of scratch. You're going to cover your bets. Yeah, but it's also who the hell is going to compete? with that i don't know they they literally have spent hundreds of millions just getting to where they are it, it, it i don't see anyone else being able to do that so I mean for like a virtual tabletop interface yeah that, that using content? the using well using the unreal engine the the create your own dungeon and the create your own minis all of that it, you should it, it, you should see it deb it's like who in the hell is going to be they able look to like Hero with Forge it. minis. Yes. Wow. And, and this is what you're playing. You will be playing your D and D game with online for sixth edition. Oh, that totally beats out Roll Twenty. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, well, they want to they want to put a clamp on it too because you know that they're going to sell like customization options for those minis. You know, oh, 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 sure. Micro transactions. It makes tons of sense now too because Why so not? I have you know, the paid version of Roll20. And the last, especially this month, I've been getting a ton of like newsletters about a lot of the other tabletop gaming platforms, like content that they sell. Foundry and shit. And, yeah. and steampunk, whatever. And like a lot of other games besides D&D they are advertising right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. For yeah. content on Roll20. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, I'm sure Roll20, uh, Roll20 and Foundry especially were probably sweating bullets because they're like, oh, wow, we're, we're going to be totally fucked here. But I the mean, orc is still moving forward. Yeah. That's yeah. the Paizo's thing. Right. And I mean, right now it's kind of hilarious because it, it sounds like uh, the, the 5.1 SRD creative commons will be looser than orc. Whatever the fuck that's going to be. Yeah. Now, I don't I, I don't know anything about 1D&D or, or basically 6th edition. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be as popular as 5th edition because I, I just don't know the rule set. If it is, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. By not releasing at least part of it to the world because it was the the community yes. of creators that made five one as popular as it was because yes. there's all this shit for it on DMs. Everybody Guild. getting to participate now. DMs Guild will probably, I mean, dimes to donuts. They're probably gonna yeah have the same the same licenses agreement for people to create things for six e. The thing is, Barry, is I think they're putting. A lot, if not all, their eggs in the VTT basket for 6th edition. What kind of support there will be for tabletop, 
I'm curious about because I don't think it's going to be like we're used to, which is one of the reasons why I think they were happy to get rid Support of the OGL. For tabletop. All we ever needed were books. Well, what, yeah, but books. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, your your adventures, your supplements. Your, They'll probably in focus addition more to the on cult. digital content. And it'll, you know, because because like the thirty dollar tier that people were talking about that was leaked, I believe that's top tier. I think that's a top tier, and I believe. You get like all the content, everything. Yeah. You get everything that they make. Now, I wanted to ask people: three hundred and sixty dollars a year. If you pay three hundred sixty dollars a year and you get everything that Wizards of the Coast puts out for sixth edition in the VTT, it might actually be worth it for some people. Yeah, yeah. but then you are restricted to digital content. At that, and if at you that stop time. paying yes. for it. Your books go away. Yes. I'm holding a book in my hand right now, and it's right. never going to go away. Right. Physical I, media. I totally understand. Well, and on Roll20, so... Um, like Channeling Paul. I bought the the virtual um, module for the game that I'm running, right? So I have the physical Icewind media. Icewind Dale. So it allows me... It gives me all the base maps, all the characters, everything mm. that's in the actual physical book I have, but I own it. I purchased it directly, so... Mm. I have that forever. Um, right. Which, well, until they decide to yank it because well, they don't have Or until, yeah. you know, right. Roll20 bursts into flame. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not like if yeah. I cancel my monthly subscription, I no longer can access it. Right, right. So I'll have it, it now. It, you know, so it'll be interesting to see going forward. I really think this whole thing is about the VTT. And I also think they didn't want a new Paizo, a new Pathfinder coming yeah. up for 5th edition. And I think they've conceded that. They're like, okay, all right. It's obvious the hate is not worth it. But I still think they're putting all their eggs in the VTT, and that's really going to be the focus for 6th edition. So, Well, not to mention, uh, you, you brought up a good point about having physical media there, Barry, is that it actually costs them quite a bit more to publish those books now than it does to do the virtual publish online and, and to upgrade and update those books online. So, I mean, the profit margins are so much bigger with the the digital version than it is doing the physical version. Right, but I think the base concept of D&D is getting friends around a table physically in person well, sure. to yeah. play a game. But they're also trying to change uh, that I, I, into the 20, uh, 21st I, century I, I version. Understand. I think that, yeah. I know. But it, you're still going to have, you're still going to have people who want both. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah. just like how... When we are visiting our friends in Houston, we want to play in person. Sure. But, but, but we are also playing virtually so we can continue playing. Right. But we're, we're in that weird middle area where we want to have both. A lot of the younger. Old. Well, I wasn't going to go that far, but, but a lot of the younger generation, they want no, everything that's true. online. I, I, think, and, I think that's, and why, digitally that's why they're putting their eggs in that basket because that's what they're looking at. Because uh, a perfect point I was just going to make uh, some of the people perfect. I work with are in their 20s and they don't buy physical books. They right. have they have almost never bought physical books. They right. always buy them on their Kindle, yeah, yeah. or they buy them, uh, you know, on online so they can read them on their laptop or whatever whenever they want. They don't go to the store and buy books. I don't understand these kids today. They need to get the hell off my lawn. Well, I love the but, book. but that's, I just did because that this that's what weekend. they were raised with, Barry. It's right, it's not yeah. so much. That, it's what they're used to. Yeah, it's what they're used to exactly. Yeah. Mm. You know, just like books, you know, yeah. remember back in the days when they were burning printing presses? Yep. Because books were dangerous. So I, I, I actually just bought, uh, when I, 
uh, check came in, I actually bought Labyrinth Lord. You remind me of the babe. The book. <laughs> God damn it. The the uh, the book, the physical book. I have I have the uh, PDF, but it's like I going through the PDF. I'm like, ah, damn it. I just I want the book in my hand yep, so I so can. So you like, can turn the pages and mark right. something and like really yeah. And and one of the things about one D and D before this all blew up was they stressed, you know, everything will be united. You buy the book, you will also get a PDF. You buy something physical, you'll get an electronic of it as well. So okay, that's cool. That I don't mind. I mean, that was kind of one of the things I used to enjoy about uh, buying physical discs of movies is because you'd get the digital version. So. Yeah, I could add it into my account, and uh, you know, let's say I'm out in the middle of nowhere and want to watch something, I can you just go. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, I can just, I can just I've watch got, it. I've got a couple of digital movies. I've never even exploited that because it's. When I was doing DM for hire thing, I didn't bring all my books with me, but if I had to look up something obscure, I'd right. rip out a the sure. PDF and on sure. my computer, and you know, it, it can be helpful. useful. It can be helpful. Yeah, that 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 virtual tabletop will be. Mind blowing. Yeah, it will, it will be mind yeah, blowing. Will. But what will that do for tabletop, and what will that do for D and D is going to be very interesting to see because they are obviously, they are obviously shooting their wad on that. So, the Ron Jeremy RPG. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Uh, Set him up for that one. <laughs> uh, he actually just this week. I just stumbled across the news article. He was rendered. Uh, rendered. He was judged. He was rendered? Yeah. That's awful. Oh, Disgusting. Dear. He was judged incompetent to face trial because he had a number of lawsuits coming up mm-hmm. uh, because uh, his dementia apparently is so advanced oh, wow. he can't face trial. So. And on that note. Yes. Yeah. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson announced a partnership with the Pentagon Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, to design and demonstrate a nuclear-powered spacecraft in the next few years. The project's goal is to develop a nuclear thermal rocket, NTR, engine capable of powering an experimental spacecraft in order to extend our crewed spacefaring range and reduce travel times between Earth and target locations. The Draco spacecraft will utilize fission, that's the process regularly used inside nuclear reactors, to generate high levels of heat. That heat will cause hydrogen fuel to expand and accelerate out the engine nozzle. Major difference from earlier rockets is the high performance of an NTR reactor. An NTR spacecraft could have a thrust-to-weight ratio 10,000 times greater than electric propulsion and 2 to 5 times greater than more typical chemical propulsion. A demonstration flight is planned sometime in 2027. During that flight, DARPA will conduct experiments with the reactor at various power levels and send that information back to scientists on the ground. And that information will help us better prepare for the next class of crew-ready spacecraft headed for deep space. Yeah. Nice. The it's, next step uh, on that is the... The, uh, the chair. The Bussard collector. The, <laughs> I, 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 the, the thing where you basically collect hydrogen... In space, so the idea. Oh, is the that, ramp scoop. Yeah, and you you actually uh, collect your your fuel while you're while you're. You don't in, have to carry fine. it, and then you're not limited to. Right, so and you much. can refuel and stuff like that because you got solar sails during the downtime. And then the lithium's just around the corner, right? There yeah. you go. Then it happens. What's ah, What's really thing. fascinating <laughs> about this is uh, nuclear rocket engine technology. They they experimented with it in the 1950s. In fact. Uh, 
if you're ever in Las Vegas and you want to check out a really interesting museum, there's the uh, the uh, the the nuclear uh, test museum, the atomic testing, atomic testing museum, right next to UNLV. That Um, sounds like a cheap vacation. I've already done that. (laughs) It's a it's a fascinating museum, and one of the things they do talk about is on the Nevada test site, uh, which if you're lucky enough to do a tour there, they do drive you past. Uh, the area where they tested this nuclear rocket on uh, on the test site, but uh, the Atomic Testing Museum is a really fascinating uh, museum to check out. Uh, not just you know the artifacts that they have, but how uh, nuclear testing and you know the threat of atomic weapons and mm-hmm. nuclear weapons affected the. Uh, the general populace. Right. Well, it's uh, really a basic engine. It's yeah. just a, a hyperheated yeah. coil, nuclear heated coil with yeah. liquid hydrogen being run through it. You just got to figure out how to make it all not explode. Are they planning yeah. on testing it in space? Not in the atmosphere, right? <laughs> in space. I, I think they're doing it in the ground first, uh, next to a lot of groundhogs. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, you want to do it right next to an aquifer, yes. so there's lots of water there just in case something goes wrong. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And dilithium is not a fuel. It's a philosophy. <laughs> it's a power source? Nope. No. Try again. No. Regulator. Thank you. Yeah, that... they. It Science. is used to regulate the matter-antimatter mm-hmm. reactor. There Star you Trek go. nerds. Bunch there of them. <laughs> because they, they, together. They, they created this great idea for a... Infinite fuel drive, and then they discovered, well, you know, it's really interesting stories if you actually have to look for fuel. How do we do that? It was never an infinite fuel drive. No, it, matter, antimatter is not really lot. It's a lot. It's basically. It, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so, almost infinite. But then, there's, well, then but there's getting antimatter. It's, it's, it is and it isn't because one of the points they bring up on the show is that... You did this, You guys. opened this door, You did this, Kay. The, the Bassard collectors on the ship don't, don't scoop up enough hydrogen to completely fuel the, the I, spacecraft for extended periods, so they do have to go in and be fueled with uh, and straight hydrogen. Straight hydrogen is always hydrogen. Somebody just it's gotta phaser me now. Cr- uh, shut just, up. just disintegrate me. Star Trek, please. It matters. Or antimatters, <laughs> and you know what's funny about about how they do uh, how they store the antimatter? Mm-hmm. They store it in matter, but they just magnetically yeah, magnetic keep bottles. it from from the, touching the sides. Well, magnetic bottles are a real thing. In this fact, is now your fault, Barry. They're they're Dude, using I it. Can, I can talk this all day. They're long. using it at the la- Large Hadron <laughs> Collider to contain some of the the exotic matter they're creating while they examine it. But the amount that they would how they would do that on a ship of like the size of like an enterprise Jesus. they would do it by song <laughs> <laughs> yeah that killed it <laughs> that can't, why can't you sing something fun like from three amigos what labyrinth is fun thank you my yeah. little buttercup has the sweetest smile dear little buttercup won't you stay a while <laughs> you and I will settle down in a cottage built for two. Dear little buttercup, sweet little buttercup, my little buttercup, I love you. What is amazing is Barry was on board for that. But Kirsten wasn't having any. How fucking dare you? And if there's usually, one and it's musical that's the acceptable, it's that one. 
Blech. <laughs> Did you just blech? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you just blech? Three amigos? Really? I think he did. Why? Blech. Why? Look me in the eyes. You are dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of the best comedy movies ever made. Dead to me. <sighs> Get wardrobe down here. Take the amigos clothes. <laughs> Christopher Landon, the writer-director behind the horror hits Happy Death Day and Freaky, has been hired to write and direct a remake of Arachnophobia. Ooh. James Wan and his atomic monster partner, Michael Clear, are producing the feature project alongside Amblin, while Frank Marshall, the uh, Jurassic World franchise producer, will executive produce a horror comedy, Arachnophobia, centered on a small town terrorized by a colony of deadly South American spiders accidentally brought into the U.S. Jeff Daniels starred as a doctor who moves his family to a small town. Atomic Monsters next has an adaptation of Stephen King's Salem's Lot, starring Lewis Pullman and directed by Gary Dauberman. That's hitting theaters September 9th. And uh, Juan's next directorial effort is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Maybe, maybe not. Um, if you haven't seen Happy Death Day by now or Freaky, do yourself a favor and check those out. No. Those are both fantastic Happy films. Death Day is the one where um, she's in college, right, and she keeps dying the, yeah, the, on her the birthday. Time loop, yep. Yeah, okay. It's Groundhog yeah. Day horror. Yeah. We also saw the second, the sequel. I enjoyed yeah, both yeah. The, of them. The, the yeah. sequel is is diff- is a little different, but just as good. Yeah, uh, they do tweak a little bit with the storyline, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And then Freaky, the original title was Freaky Friday the Thirteenth, so it kind of gives you an idea what it's what it's all about. You know, the body swapping thing. You know, the high school girls body swaps with a a serial killer. It's oh my god, it it is a brilliant film. It really is, and really well acted by all parties involved. Speaking of brilliant and well acted, let's do red light, green light. Red light, green light, such a fun game to play. Doesn't matter what you say, they're gonna make this shit anyway. Woo! All right. I don't know about brilliant. <laughs> but first, this sponsorship brought to us by a Kofi member. We asked for this. Uh-oh. All right, before we call this meeting of Done the Right Productions to order, we've been commissioned to produce this ad for this fantasy series, Rebirth of the Fallen. With all the show cancellations we're seeing these days, looking at you, Time Warner, any revenue is good revenue. Anyways, I thought we could do an ad focusing on the heroes. Set it to that catchy I Need a Hero song. Oh, good, there's going to be singing. Uh. I used to sing along to that one back in the day. Okay, so uh, let's look in over the cover of the latest book here. It's got a demon chick on it. Ah, all right, uh, we'll start with here. I need a hero. No. I'm holding out for rail until the end of the night. She slaughters them all and their families and all, and she's got charm and seduces a kid. Seduce them kids. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Did you read this before you started singing? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, gonna say musical didn't... pedo. Well, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> Maybe you can try something less demonic. We'll talk about the uh, the governor. You know, a, a soldier, a strong leader. That, that'll work better. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a kid until the end of the night. 
He rips off kids' balls and pokes out their eyes, and he cross-dresses all through the night. Wig heels and brat. Wait, that's not going to... That sounds like the the governor from Walking Dead. That sounds worse than the first one. Yeah, yeah, it is. Ain't these books got heroes in them? I I, I read the blurb on the back. supposed to be a group of kids or something. A whole party of five chosen ones on their journeys or some something that you know what all the tropes and shit. Let's let's see. Uh, Malcolm, yeah, that's one. Uh, we'll look at him. He's uh, he seems to save the day a lot. Uh, okay, here we. I need a hero. I'm holding out for Malcolm till the end of the night. He raises the dead. Will a ghost give him head? And he's totally sacrificed his kid's friend's mom. That ugly. That's not gonna work. Fucking hell. I'm all right with that. All right, someone. <laughs> Someone needs to read this shit and find us an actual hero, or this ad campaign's going nowhere. I mean, that means you shock monkeys. We're ad executives here. We don't have time to do the research. We're crowdsourcing this. So read J.R. Conkle's Rebirth of the Fallen series. You can get that shit on Amazon. Dunright Productions is counting on you shock monkeys. Do the research for us. Read the books. Write and review. See if you can find a hero who's not molesting kids Singing the lumberjack song, sacrificing his friend's mom or some nasty undead. I don't know. Go there. I hear there's some kind of moist meat monster in there. Go read about that and t- explain what the fuck that's all about while you're at it. Jesus. What? Thank, thank you, J.R. Conkle. For yeah, that was awesome. That there's, was so great. There's a moist meat monster. Yes. Uh, yes, there is. There is. He's I a should, bad guy. I should be reading. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> As opposed to what a dry meat monster like jerky. I mean, what you know? Well, I'm just glad he's a bad guy. <laughs> uh, my money's on the ants though yeah the, because they've got the high hopes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. he's flipping us all you're off, dead, right? to Deuces. <laughs> dead to me and if you want your ad on the show look into our Kofi reward check into it Kofi ko-fi.com slash geekchuck all right, I got four pitches here. All right. It is time to choose one of them. You each get one green light. One or more of these may be fake. All right, here we go. We got the last known position. The moon <laughs> represents my blood. What? What's it, wrong Kristen. with it? I, I think I'm still reading the air. I was fine. Because you're the one that started <laughs> giggling as soon as he said it. It made me giggle. Well, you're, you're dead to me. What well, was that second one? So the, the first one, last known position. Then we have The Moon Represents My Heart. Then The Chronicles of Thomas Covenant. And then Tomb Raider. I don't know. So far, all the titles just make it sound awful. They're a little clunky, some of them. I got to admit. All right, so we'll start with the first one. Amazon Prime Video is developing a series adaptation of the Q Code podcast thriller Last Known Position. And Gina Rodriguez, who did Jane the Virgin and Annihilation, is set to star and executive produce. The story charts the fallout of a, quote, brand new state-of-the-art American commercial jetliner vanishing on its maiden voyage over the Pacific. The ensuing air crash investigation discovers evidence of a creature in the deep that may have been responsible. Uh, Luke Passmore was part of Teen Wolf, served as creator and writer of the podcast. Uh, Passmore is attached to adapt the TV adaptation and will executive produce alongside Rodriguez. So what do you think of Last Known Position? Aircrafts? Crashes maybe due to a sea monster. Yeah. How how the sea monster make it crash? Oh, that's that's part of how you figure it out. That's part of the mystery. Yeah, that's the story, Kay. Planes. We're not giving travel, them away here. Planes travel very very high up. Yeah. yeah, that's a tall 
sea monster. Well, if we're talking Cthulhu. Sure. Or maybe it gives off some sort of wave, some kind of EMP kind of thing. Mm. I don't know. I'm mm. guessing. I'm not writing the damn thing. Right. I'll Apparently. tell you what I'm not crazy about. It's a mystery, and it's going to unravel yeah. over the course of many, many episodes that may not even come to fruition by the end of the first there season. It'll end just yeah. like Lost with everybody pissed off. Just yes. drag you along. The, the airplane hanger. Lost. It was all just a dream. Maybe Shut up. Maybe this is the prequel to Lost. <laughs> Ooh. Maybe this is the prequel to Saint Elsewhere. Maybe the monsters smoke. Maybe, maybe this is what happens on the real Earth while everything was going on with Lost. Yeah, yeah. This is the other story of Lost. Uh, all right, Kathleen Kennedy. Love it. <laughs> I resemble that remark. <laughs> I need a heat. Okay, no. Uh. <laughs> Next up, the, room, the moon represents my heart. Uh, Netflix and Stranger Things producer Sean Levy are developing a supernatural series together under his 21 Laps production company called The Moon Represents My Heart. The series will be an adaptation of an upcoming novel from author Pim Wangtekawat. <laughs> oh, no. Please, please try what? that again. I want to hear this name. Uh-huh. Wangtekawat. Pim, Pim <laughs> Wangtekawat. Pim. Holy crap. He's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he Thank had you, a Barry. little seizure while he was typing. <laughs> it's very possible. Or maybe the fish did it. Bada bada bing bang. You can't just blame the fish for everything. I can now. Ooh, and it involves time travel. Actress Gemma Chan, who did Crazy Rich Asians and Eternals, will produce and star in the series, which follows the generations of a British-Chinese family of time travelers. When Tommy's parents time travel and never return, time stands still. But as everyone begins to move forward, Tommy is stuck in the past, which has ramifications for his life in the present. The moon represents my heart. Jeff's usually big on time travel, but he's yeah, got a, he's but you got a also face. you also lose me at supernatural. I, there's too much supernatural crap out there right now. What? It's like, like, I'm sorry. What did yeah. you just say? Oh shit! <laughs> I disagree. I'm not talking about but, the but, show Supernatural. I'm talking about no, supernatural I themed. Yeah. And I'm there's, yes, Jeff. Go ahead. I said te- Jeff. Go ahead and explain yourself uh, and tell us why you're wrong. <laughs> things things that are based on real world with no fantasy elements are boring. I think what Jeff's trying to say, correct me if I'm wrong, is that time travel is great as a as a as a vehicle for story if yes. it's scientific based, yes. not magic based. Yes. What? This is a berry. He doesn't. He, <laughs> is he sucking up the this, Jeff? This he, is a berry. That's no, what he, he put succinctly what I was going to say. But they, yeah, they he, are both similar in this. We'll watch something. He's like, that doesn't make any sense. There's no way that that could happen. They're just done. Yeah, but snap their fingers. Okay, fine. I guess we're just supposed to accept that that's that had that's that, how that that's, works. Well, there's travel. A, there's I a, know. There is a there is an amount of suspension of disbelief yeah. I'm willing to concede, and then there, when you go a step over that line, it's hard for me to enjoy a show. Um, scientific based time travel. E, e, okay, let's take Back to the Future. Totally not based on anything, really. You know. It, it's like a wave of a hand. Look, it's science. It's how it works. It's okay, supernatural. Fine. It's no, it's science. It's how it works. But if they said, "I found a magic book and it transported me back in time," that that mm, that's that's magic. That's, well, in the that's actual different. yeah, and then in Back to the Future, the time travel aspect is not really the star of the film. It's the vehicle no, it's to get Michael you J. to Fox. the story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn yeah. it. Yeah. 
Whereas, yeah. a, a, and I keep referencing this film because it's so fucking amazing. Whereas Primer, yeah, time travels a star of that film, right? And it's not, and you got to, it, it's based in totally on science. It's if you like math, that's your movie. Oh yeah, you, I you need a guy. I think to it's that because film. it skews too much into the fantasy realm, and I am more of a science fiction fan than I am fantasy. Even though is. I do like and appreciate some fantasy. Science fiction is my first and true love as far as fiction goes. Same. So I think that's why... You don't want chocolate in your peanut butter. Well, I mean, and it could also go back to the whole, you know, I'm always looking for, you know, answers to questions, and I don't like to jump to the supernatural explanation Uh, as a reason for that. Yeah, but there's a difference between fiction and your reality. Well, but, but see, that's what I look for in my fiction, too. You know, not the, why should we question how this happened? It just happened. It's, I don't know. What about that, that Groundhog Day? They, they, there's a different, you're describing deus ex machina versus yeah. an actual fantasy trope. Yes. You don't like deus ex machina. I get that. That's, yes. That's, that's, it's an easy out. But supernatural doesn't always equate to that. No. Not, well, you're right. It doesn't always. But it generally speaking, a lot of current fiction that is supernaturally based does do that. Exactly. And like Jeff, I bend towards science fiction more than I do fantasy. I love fantasy, you know, and technically Groundhog Day has nothing to do with science. That's more fantasy. Mm -hmm. But I'm going and accepting that. So it's a matter of preference at all. As opposed to something written written by Wang Tangarot. (laughs) Wang Chungarot. Everybody Wang Chung. In the, in the parlance, in parlance, we'll say, "Let's go." Next up, the <laughs> Chronicles of Thomas Covenant. Amazon Prime won the rights to the Tom- Chronicles of Thomas Covenant. Uh, the novels are an epic fantasy series that tells the story of a leper who discovers a parallel world where he is hailed as a savior. Amazon says in a statement, quote, this live action series brings to life the complex characters and moral dilemmas of the books with stunning visual effects and diverse cast. The story follows Thomas as he struggles to understand a newfound power and weight of his destiny it is a journey of self-discovery in the fight between good and evil. The series will appeal to fans of fantasy, drama, and those who are interested in exploring deeper themes of power, redemption, and human condition. We are proud to bring Stephen R. Donaldson's critically acclaimed books to life on the small screen, unquote. Uh, no other information available at this time. Uh, Chronicles of Thomas Covenant. Jeff doesn't like the fantasy. I got a feeling I know what his vote is. I mean, I always like parallel world stories. Has anybody here read Chronicles of Thomas yeah. Covenant? Yeah. I've heard of it. <clears throat> I've read, read it. I haven't even heard of it. Is it so. good? I've seen the books. Haven't read them. Kirsten, what? Um, this uh, uh, Thomas Covenant was right there next to uh, Shanra in terms of starting the whole big fat fantasy movement and making fantasy the big, big money maker for, for booksellers for publishing houses. Um, but the story, uh, it, it was the writing was not terribly great. Um, I think in the second trilogy, uh, Donaldson actually gets, becomes better as a writer. And, and a lot of that, he uh, got the first, the first book felt like an ongoing first chapter. Oh. <clears throat> so it was really, really kind of tough. The protagonist is a leper? He's a leper. That's interesting. It's really funny because actually they could have <laughs> nothing as funny as leprosy. Yeah. They they <laughs> what the f- he missed 
he missed it just by a few years um, because the leprosy is um, it's a symbol referring to all sorts of things about exclusion, being uh, marginalized as well as uh, you know slowly deteriorating. And it's like five, six years, AIDS would have been oh, yeah. the f- perfect the perfect um, figure it, uh, you know, symbol for what was going on in this. But one of the difficult things about this story is Donaldson tests fantasy tropes and he tests you liking the hero a lot to the point that there is, in fact, spoiler warning, um, a rape scene, and it involves the hero. Oh, shoot. And that, I think you meant more like trigger warning than. Uh, well, yeah, I actually I meant both. Okay. I meant both trigger yeah. and and spoiler. I did mean spoiler because obviously a lot of people have Probably not read turning it. Turning point of and and it's huge. Yeah. This is a big part of the story. The whole you just said the word redemption, that's part of it. And um, boy, oh boy, in today's environment, I don't know how they're going to sell that. And if they choose to not deal with that. I think they'd probably have to. Exactly. That's the problem is you're leaving out. a. That's a big hole in what, what the novel was doing, what Donaldson was doing. Well, so, I mean, they did it in Outlander. So part of those stories, uh, you know, Diana Gabaldon has done her best to try to write historical, you know, thing, how things would have been during that time. Mm-hmm. And her books are very graphic. I mean, they've already done this in the series, so I'm going to bring it up. But Claire gets kidnapped and raped a lot. I was like, going to say, isn't lot. sexual assault a significant yes, part of the Yes, of one of these line? books. Yeah. Those whole and, books are rapey. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes place in the 1700s for yeah, fuck's yeah. sake. Um, Women were not treated well throughout history. That's, period. That's true. Which makes me wonder why the <laughs> no. one girl wants to go back in time. Why would women want to go back in time? Why would anyone who looks any well, anything the first time like it anyone happened, other it was not guys? on purpose. It was accidental. But anyway, Barry doesn't like supernatural things. I know. <laughs> Apparently, how did that fucking happen? Anyway, um, <laughs> but he they did hated it. Hellraiser. They did it in the show. Mm-hmm. They I did do Hell. it in the show. So I think if you've got a network that is willing to you know use it to push the story that needs to be told with that information they'll do it yeah but that was that was the protagonist getting raped i understand and i and i get it's it's him being evil to then become good and as long as they sell it in the right way it's it's not gonna that's gonna be rough that is some major because i don't i see i see because they're the the books are con controversial in the it's a problematic the literary aspect, scene for sure a lot of a lot of uh, progressives actually just disdain the books and don't even want to talk about them for that very reason never mind their literary quality which is something you can totally argue about so it's 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 really tough so i don't i don't know I, the world is interesting his world building is interesting his concepts about magic and stuff what is if all they interesting changed what he does for his evil I, task i don't there's something I, awful but not as not that, as, awful. Not that right. and you know and it's kind of funny stealing cookies for yes. people who know the book that 
might be that might be a sellout that is just a little too big. And I mean, keep in mind the author actually he really does. It's not a throwaway. It's not something that just happens. It they deal with consequences throughout, um, and even in the following books, they actually continue the consequences. So. It's, it's actually consequences a part of it, and as a result, that's the chief reason why either ignoring it or changing it to something else... May not make it work. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it... it, 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 it yeah. So it's that, just... That, that is interesting as to why they choose to... Why this? Yeah. Well, it, because... Well, it, it's got a name. I know the name. <clears throat> well, the name, and also it is. It is a foundational part of modern fantasy you know uh, the whole everyone talks about tolkien but it really right. was thomas covenant and shanra and shanra's already been done yes uh, yeah and uh, <laughs> you know but it it those are really those really did create the modern the modern uh, uh market that I, we have I, with what you're telling me i am almost intrigued that they would if they do this and keep that yes. plot point intact, is especially today a brave choice that I might be interested in knowing what you've told me about it. Right. Yeah. Well, as, as a whole, this whole consequences and can this be redeemed right. kind of storyline. Right. And it it'll be difficult because there are a lot of people, a lot of fans out there that that's the line you just you just don't cross. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Well, especially because something that violent is. How do you really even redeem that ever? Well, I don't yeah. think it's even possible. Exactly. And this guy, he, you know, the, the character actually has guilt. And and guys, I mean, I could really tell you the the timeline of the story because it's it's like it keeps <laughs> shit keeps coming up where he, you know, he has to deal with it, uh, which was actually interesting choices on Donaldson's part, and also the way the world around him reacts to it too because there's one one of the most probably the most beloved character in the series moram moram uh, i got a moram sitting right next to me uh-huh. it's, 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 it's tough to, it's, it's tough to pronounce correctly m-h-o-r-a-m oh that's completely different um, than Barry. he is he's actually uh the closest friend covenant has a big believer in him and a very understanding and forgiving so even with all the terribleness that's happened he uh, strives to understand covenant, which is kind of interesting. But, but in today's age, that it's I don't know, man. I don't know if uh, how that'll carry because it is. It's a big part of it. So fascinating. <clears throat> so I don't know. Well, let's see how that stacks up against Tomb Raider. Oh God. Phoebe Waller Bridge, who did Fleabag, has entered the early stages of development on a Tomb Raider television series at Amazon. She'll serve as head writer and executive producer. To date, Tomb Raider video games have inspired three featured films centered around the character of Laura Croft, while the bridge, on the one hand, will also appear in the fifth Indiana Jones movie this June. Yeah. She's playing the Indy's goddaughter, Helena. So, uh, So then there's that. So what do you think of having Tomb Raider as a TV show? I mean, I always liked the the movies, but I'm not sure how you do that as a series. Unless you... Tomb of the Week. Well, unless you draw out... I mean, it's like the video game, I guess. You draw out more of the discovery and the pieces of the story. Um, the last couple of video games, I really enjoyed the storylines in those. I, those have been surprisingly well told. Yeah, the, the most recent movie was the only 
I feel like the only decent adaptation yeah. because the from the video games, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the first two films were Ugh. laughable. They're basically yeah. Uh, Look at Angelina Jolie, Jolene, yeah, uh, uh, Jolene. Watch me murder this British accent (laughs) for two hours. They they were vehicles for her. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, they were action vehicles for her. Jolene, don't you dare take my (laughs) money. And it's funny because there are people (laughs) that... that Don't you dare take my treasure. There are people that absolutely love those movies. Sure. I enjoyed them. Uh, See, I didn't. I didn't think they were very good. I never played the game. Did you play the game? Oh, yeah. I played the game. I never played the game. Maybe that had something to do with it. I mean, it could be. Um, well, you were off hating Three Amigos. <laughs> You're dead to me. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, the most recent film was very similar to right. uh, the most yeah, recent video they, game. I heard that. I never saw it, but it was, I heard that the fidelity was there. Yeah. So, I mean, this sounds like it would be you know a mashup of Indiana Jones and National Treasure. And since National Treasure apparently isn't doing very well no. at its choices, yeah, so I couldn't. Dinks. I couldn't keep watching it. Yeah, it just, so it lost yeah, me. I mean, I, it, I, th- I think this this could have a potential. Yeah. yeah, I think there's an audience for it. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. Last known position: The Moon Represents My Heart, Top Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, and Tomb Raider. Where do you put your green light, Deb? Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Do you have better choices this time? I'm just going to put that out oh, there. There you go. Barry, what are you? The moon. To the moon, Alice! Wow. Is that the choice? That was the choice, right? Because Barry loves Supernatural in his time travel. Yeah. Yeah. You're all dead to me. <laughs> Jeff! Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I gotta be honest, they all sound awful. <laughs> uh, That's not what Deb said. T- Tomb Raider's probably the, the least offensive of the titles. Wow. Offensive? Oh, least offensive. My goodness. Kirsten. I want the supernatural time travel as well. Ooh. I like time travel. Maybe we'll turn Jeff around. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, yeah. turn it around. I couldn't say that with a straight face. But uh, yeah, let's, let's do the time travel thing. I always like, you know... All right, that means we're green lighting too. We got the the moon and we got the Tomb Raider. So it's a it's a it's a twofer going forward. Uh, which of these do you think are fake, uh, Deb? Uh, last known position and the moon represents my heart. Ah, whoa, that's a two. Ba- uh, Barry, what do you think's fake? I don't think they're making the leper one. I, I, I it's it's too problematic. I normally would have said yeah, they they would make that, but now you're telling me about these story elements. I don't think Amazon's that brave, so I don't think they're making that. Google, one. Google. Yeah. I don't want to Google, Google anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> Phones are down for a reason. No, no, no. I mean, Google it to see all oh, the, the all the controversy and what's discussed about it. No, I I have you for that. Oh. <laughs> You're his wiki. Wow. What? Whoa. His wiki, his Wikipedia. Yeah, it's, oh, it's kind of, oh, it's okay. kind of like a binky. You go to yeah. I was gonna it. say, wow. I'm being called Barry's penis. <laughs> Wow. You're dead to me. Dead to me. That's, that's what he says as he stares at his lap. <laughs> you are dead to me. All right, I want to give you some points for that. <laughs> that's legit funny. I mean, for the record, fuck you, but that's funny. <laughs> Jeff, what's your winky? Uh, <laughs> impressive. I... <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like 
I kind of feel like the first one is the only one that's probably real, and the other three are fake. Oh, so you're voting... F- say the last three are fake. Yeah. Uh, the... Uh, oh, damn it. The, the first title. Uh, the Moon Represents moon? My Heart. No, last, that was the no, second last, one. Last the first position. one is The Last Known Position. Yeah. Last Known Position. I feel like that's probably the only The plane that disappears in the sea yeah. monsters. Do you think that's real? I think that, that sounds so much like a Hollywood... <laughs> production and the rest of them feel like something people sent in to to trigger us so um Ah. so that's 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 what i'm going with i think that's the only real one i think the other three are fake kirsten god i don't have an answer i think covenant's fake uh i think tomb raider sounds like a good idea which of course means it probably won't get done lately means it's fake yeah you know um uh, I'll just go with Covenant and be wrong. We'll see what happens here. We only have one fake one this week. It was sent to us by Doug Forsyth. Thank oh, you, no. Doug, for doing this. And uh, yes, it is the Chronicles of Thomas Covenants that is the fake one. So the other three are real? Yeah, Good Tomb- I saw the Lord. article actually earlier today on Tomb Raider, so I was like, yay. <laughs> yes, all the other three are real. The moon represents my heart. Uh, the last known position and Tomb Raider are in some form of development. <laughs> the and, last known position it, is too lame. It's not too to vague. Be in it's too vague. And don't get Very me wrong, vague. I would actually think a, a, a Tomb Raider TV series done properly would be entertaining, but just they don't. They have not done very well with the material uh, well, outside I mean, of Amazon. the video games. It's yeah, Amazon and. I mean, they've been doing some pretty spot-on stuff. Yeah, I mean, overall, yes. Overall, yes. And TV. TV. Maybe TV will lend itself better. Right, because they can tell the better in-depth story. Tell more of the story, yeah. Yeah. You know? Because, I mean, with the world they've built in the video games since uh, the first couple, um, there's a lot of interest. I mean, it's it's a lot like... uh, uh, Uncharted, you know, with the whole yeah. exploratory yep. and the world building and stuff that they've done. So that definitely would lend itself more to uh, being a series that you could extend out and delve into her background, her father's background, etc. Is there a lot of world building? I mean, I, I'm, I don't know. They, they did a little bit in the most recent movie, but in the video games, they've been doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. They really have. Yeah. Can you so, name other characters other than Laura Croft? Off the top of my head, no. They So she does have One. some Anyone. like... Anyone. Uh, Samson Delilah, Jonathan Snakes. He's kidding. Keep going. You're on a roll. Paul Verhoeven. Okay, great. That's great. <laughs> Just making shit up. No, he's real. Pa- Paul Verhoeven directed <laughs> Robocop. He's clearly not so real. So <laughs> she has like um, a couple of companions that she usually supports her and what stuff. What was that? What was the sneaky guy? I don't remember. He's going to be an NPC in this module I'm writing. <laughs> Jimmy Snakes, what did you just say? Well, I got to listen gonna, to the yeah, show. You're going to have to go back and listen to the podcast now. <laughs> oh, now I got to listen to a podcast? God. Oh, Nobody I like is on it. Not even <laughs> yourself. <laughs> Except Barry's Winky. Oh, Wiki. <laughs> That's a lot of self-hate there, Barry. Mm. He's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I can't hear you because you're dead to me. Wow. I thought Kirsten was dead to you. We're all dead, apparently. What did I do? You're ghosts. You agreed with them. (laughs) (laughs) She usually agrees with us. Oh, you're dead to me. In fact, most of the time she disagrees with you, as I recall. Yeah. Why are you dead to Barry? Write to us. (laughs) (laughs) Geekshotpodcast.com. 
And I want to thank all of our Kofi members. This time, I'm going to put a special thank you out to our Tier 1 members. Sir Chomps, Highland Scoop, Chad Wilson, Ambivalent Hoax, Richard Bruins, Scoopatron, Matt, Sour Matty D, Jacob Flora, Multiverse Tonight, Scoli, Mr. Dumbledave, Froyog Soft Serve, Gil, Matthew Bates, Earth7, John B, and Dig McSmigs. Thank you and all of our tier members, but of course, our tier four members, King Vault, Deb T, David Farrar, J.R. Conkle, and our tier five members, Jeff Harris, Ozzy Matt, Mad Martron, Glemley, and Atomic Gumby. And thank you, King Vault, once again, for your one-off oh donation. It's, it's uh, You're a beautiful man. Yeah, yeah. King Vault, you keep sending us those crowners. Crowners? Crowner. Okay. And uh, for those that have submitted to a Clockwork Torgo, I see you. All right, I, I've, I'm putting. He has a list, no choice. I'm putting a list together now. Again, the first movie I'll be watching is Escape from New York. That is got the first one, but afterwards, I'm taking your nominations. I will be choosing four and putting a poll together. And so, expect that in the next couple of weeks. If you want to nominate, to go onto our Discord. If you're a Kofi member, and go to uh, the Clockwork Torgo channel, and you can place up to two nominations. <laughs> Please put the word nomination uh, in the uh, first, so I can find them easily. Because otherwise, it gets buried into oh yes, he should watch that, or no fuck him, he shouldn't watch that at all. And uh, and uh, again, thank you all. Kofi members for supporting our tasty little show. And if you want to learn more, go to ko-fi.com slash geekshock and you'll learn more there about all of our little tiers and all the little fun things you get for it. And I do want to put a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. The song's called The Burning Light. Find it at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, Twitch, and YouTube. Our red light, green light theme is Justin Nozick, a.k.a. Froyog Soft Serve. You can find his music at theplaguephysicians.bandcamp.com. And, of course, you, you beautiful, beautiful listener, especially when you are down in the underground, you'll find someone to... Ah! Down in the underground, I'm Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K, <laughs> you're all dead to me. And Deb. A crystal moon. Ha, ha. You, you see, you all joined in on my song, and I really appreciate you doing I that. I can't wait until yeah. you watch Nothing But Trouble, because, oh my God, that, that's well, going to fuck probably, with your brain. It's probably going to be one of the choices, so it's up to the monkeys what the vinyl film is, but that will most likely make the <laughs> first does, poll. It does seem like it's getting a lot of response on the Discord. We'll wow. talk to you next week in Geek. Why can't listener. you sing something good? God. It, it's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. It's great. Now I decided to get me out of here. The show is finally over and I can go home. Lay down and get me out of here. On a fun place to see. I'm underground. Watching this is nightmare. (laughs) My God. Come on. Jennifer Connelly, your first teenage crush? Come on. Hey. Labyrinth. That was, you know. Mm -hmm. She wasn't mine because, you know. Well, it had been hot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> what was your first teenage crush? Oh God, oh, uh, Christian go. Bale. Oh God, was, in Newsies. Uh, was it uh, when he George was Burns? He was in Newsies. Newsies. I forgot about that. Newsies oh, or Christian yeah. Bale. Uh, I can get behind that. And I can't remember his name, but the actor, also could. same film, who played Spot in Newsies. I loved him. I don't know why I was obsessed with him too. Jeff, first uh, crush. It's a tie between Mia Sarah in uh, uh, Ferris Bueller or uh, Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth. Those those two. Kirsten, first crush. My uh, first crush actually was uh, prepubescent. And, and I, by, I, by that I mean I was prepubescent before anybody goes there. So Kim Richards. 
uh, Disney starlet from uh, the seventies. I just God, I I just loved Kim Richards. So is that the the one from uh, Escape from Escape from Witch Mountain? Okay, yes. okay that's why I was like oh. I was trying Return to put the name the, to the face. The here. blonde. Yep. Okay. Yeah, she was in the car. It is, yeah. Barry, first crush. Prepubescent crush, Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. Oh, mm. Of course. Uh, my first crush was David Bowie, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He was obsessed <laughs> with that cod piece. My God. Sister, sister, please get me out of here. He liked uh, David Bowie's ball handling skills. <laughs> Man. Well, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll go ahead and sing something from Three Amigos. Really? You're not even going to do Blue Shadows? The Mexican hat dance. La cucaracha, la cucaracha. If I could burp, I'd do it. You know pretty soon that big yellow moon will light your way back to the one you love. Blue shadows on the trail. Blue cowboys. <laughs> Not blue cowboys. All of your. Come on. You know it. It's the Avatar version. You guys are recreating the scene so perfectly. All of your work is done. And I can't remember the next line. Just damn close it. your eyes and, and dream. dream. There we Little go. Yeah. God, I blew the last line. I think the bass line was given to the wrong Someone. guy. Someone. And then the turtles go. And then the finally. Blue shadows on the shore. Got a get me out of here. Got a place to say. Sister, sister, please get me out of here. You're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> you too. <laughs>